Hello, listening people. Hey there. You're listening to Spin Posh Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. I'm Ryan Stolinski. You got it right, correct. And I'm Bartek. You got it half right. I mean, you got half the answer correct there. You said the first part but of your name. The first half I got fully correct, so. Yeah, but that's, that's 100% still. Right that, there. <laughs> no, and you're listening to Spit and Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. The show where we find masterpieces that are unappreciated. Or. Or. Yeah, you said masterpieces are unappreciated. Or we find unappreciated that are masterpieces. You can be either way around, you know. It's for you I, to decide. I think Ryan's hearing random ors. No, it's 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 an or now. Un or appreciated masterpieces. See, I'm very happy with that one. So what is He's it? smiling, that's very true. <laughs> I'm very angry at you. So I'm not angry I, at you. Like, yeah. I'm angry at you, the audience out there, because you guys are part of the problem. And what is that problem? <laughs> the unappreciated masterpiece problem. And you know what that is, Bartek? Do you know what it is? Yeah. You don't appreciate Masterpiece Problem? Yeah. You know what it is? Yeah. It is movies that are so good that you, you guys out there, didn't support them. Didn't give them the critical or financial claim that they deserved. These are movies that we are going to cover in feature-length audio commentary. Movies that we are going to talk about the nitty-gritty, the deep meanings and layers to movies that need to be talked about. You may think, no they don't, but that's where we disagree. We think that these movies need more love. Isn't that right? Yes. TLDR, we do an audio commentary on a movie that we think is underrated. Yeah, that's it. And this month of Feb... Uary. Gur. Uh, we... Or. Uh, we have been covering duologies. Film series that, have s- that are so good that they only need two movies to cover their story. You know, they're better than your Godfather, your your X-Men, and... and I, I don't know, what else has trilogies? Um, In my dreams, Bill and Ted does. <laughs> no, Bill and Ted's a great duology. Yes. You, movies that know when to stop. When to say, hey, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Because we are covering this month. We have covered Centurions 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And we covered Agent Cody Banks. What is the movie that we're covering today, Bartek? The movie that we are covering today is... Look, guys, you all guessed it, so just say it along with me. Agent Cody Banks to London. Okay, look, I don't speak Polish. I think the first half was Agent Cody Banks 2, but then you completely lost me. I mean, you know, Bartek and I happen to both be Polish, hence we're called Spit and Polish. Because of what we're spitting. Mm. And we are both Polish. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hey. I yes. don't know. I was going to make a noise for the Polish part. Like I did a for spit. I don't know what the Polish noise would be. What's a Polish guttural noise? You know, each country has their kind of like, you know, noise that you could do. Like Russia has a g. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Duh. There you go. They'd go Ryan duh. is not 100% on right now, guys. I'm 1000% on right now. I'm... That means you're dialing it too far, Ryan. No. If it's know, out of a too thousand, much, too much of a good thing. If it's out of a thousand, then I'm nailing it. Too much of a good you thing. Didn't, is you didn't. You didn't set the mark of how high I should be able to go, and I did. So a thousand to a thousand. Oh, I didn't nailing realize it. that I had to. All oh, right. Look so we're watching. You. What are we? Agent Cody makes what? Two. Dead. Is there actually a two in the title? <laughs> yes. Good. Uh, Tell London translates to Destination London, therefore the full title is Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. My favourite destination, Mm -hmm. Agent Cody Banks. I mean, 
is a great destination to travel to yeah. if you really Spoiler alert, guys, he gets there pretty quick. Actually, it takes him a little bit. I know, I know, but like in the general so, scheme of things. Grand scheme. When did this film come out? That's a good question, but the first one was 2003, so the second one was 2004? Four. Yeah. 2004 a year later that's a pretty quick production if you're going to yeah. be honest but we'll get into that but first let's introduce our amazing guest because we usually have a guest that helps us discover the wonders and in our first ever episode of this show we covered Frankie Muniz's movie called Big Fat Liar oh yeah we did we need the same guest who is that guest? The same guest from Big Fat Liar. The one who helped us crack the Munez goo. Yum. Ladies and gentlemen, when there's a Will, there's a Brooks. Brooks Will Brooks. Hello, listening people. Hi. I'm here for the goo. <laughs> Frankie Munez. Jesus, right. He says one thing and you're already pissing The Munez goo, to be specific. <laughs> Frankie, I'm just thinking about, like, if we did a... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles parody with Frankie Munez. It would be like Munez, the secret of the ooze, and it would just be like a story about Frankie Munez's puberty. Or the secret of the goo. No, ooze for the him. The goose. There you go, and it's a story about his goose. So, we are doing. It's like a nice, zany little film. It is! Yeah. And the goose is played by Anthony Anderson. So, uh, we are doing Agent Cody Banks to Destination London. Get your copy of this movie prepared because you guys are going to watch along with us, hopefully. I mean, you, you don't have to, but it would be, like, beautiful if you did yeah. because it's not only... You shouldn't just hear what we have to say. You should see what the filmmakers created. The colour palette, the costumes, the actors' facial expressions. And, obviously, the goo. <laughs> I mean... That didn't have to be said. That is also a smell that you could get from the, the DVD. The goo, the goo doesn't have to be said, but all the stuff like the costuming, that, that needs to be said. Well, yeah, because the costuming may be shit, and they need to see if it is. And spoiler alert, it isn't. It's amazing. Yes. So get your copy ready, because we are going to start this magnificent beast of a goo in three, two, two one. Play. So MGM... Metro Goldwyn Mayer. Yeah, is it Mayer? It's probably Maya. You got it. Nailed it. So who's Metro? Uh, Metro is what we call the train system here in Melbourne. You got it. See, yeah. two is right there in the toe. It's actually Agent, Agent Cody, Cody Two Banks. Banks. Agent Cody Two Banks. <laughs> it's my favourite Banks. It's like when you look at the poster for Scream 4 and it's like Scraform. Scraform. Yeah. Or uh, Fab Four Stick. Or, you know, and on and on it goes. So, we're jumping straight in. The movie just does not relent, you know. It's like the Avengers all over again. When we covered uh, Centurions 1 and Centurions 2, I said Centurions 2 had something that the first one didn't, which was it was it, it, it had no mercy. Mm. This is the exact same kind of feel. Yeah. Well, this specific sequence, yeah. No, the whole movie as a whole for me. Like, this movie was just relentless all the way through. I, f I felt like this film... And obviously, we're not going to talk too much about the first one because we want Will to be in this... Or we haven't established... No, that's what I was going to do. I was going to do a nice yeah. segue. See, this film does not really connect to the first one very much. Hence, Will Brooks 
has not watched the first movie. Just went in That's blind true. to see this one. Now, Bartek and I, we had never seen the second one before having to do it for the show. So we didn't know how much it connected to the first one either. So it was a fun little experiment on our behalf to be like, we're going to be watching the first one and the second one. Mm-hmm. We're, we'll know the differences, the continuity and all that. And Will here, not having seen the first one, well, we can ask him, does this movie hold up as an individual film? Does it? I would say yes, with probably maybe a little bit of a question mark. I, I think you'd... I How don't, much of a question mark, like uh, percentage-wise? I think I understand more or less. I, I, didn't feel, I didn't feel particularly confused at any point. I think it's clear enough that at some point he was recruited to the CIA. I'm just... I'm not sure how many of these characters are returning. I'll give you. I'll new. give you the returning characters in their order. Munez. Uh, yeah. His parents. And uh, yeah. And, and Keith David. And his brother. Oh, family. Sorry, family and Keith David. That's about five. And that's it. Yeah, that's actually it. There was no one else. Yeah. From the first movie, yeah. no, no one else. You don't need anyone else to be honest. Yeah. So five returning characters, and you know, three of them only appear in the beginning and end, and one of them's Keith David. So these, <laughs> these two. <laughs> one of them. And, oh, and one of them is yeah. Frankie Muniz. Could could one of them not be Keith David, but he's dressed up as Keith David? Like, would it be? Would it be great if the reveal at the end was? You know what they? Spoiler alert! This movie has dentistry. Uh, when they're doing the dental work, they're matching it up against Keith David's, like, dental work from the past, like, his history, and they're like, this is in his mouth, and then they they find a zip on the back of his head and unzip it, and it's the brother. (laughs) And he's just like, I knew you were a secret agent all along! there's only four (laughs) returning characters. No, Keith David technically returns, but not as Keith David. So, Will, knowing which five characters are returning, do you feel more... Uh, confident or less confident in your decree that this film is very fine as a standalone yeah I, I believe I will retract my question mark just as all these satellites are now retracting, retracting into teepees <laughs> so this film has CGI but here's the, here's the interesting thing about this the, 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 the film has less special effects I would say than the first one Yes, but they use them all at the start and that's good because you know if I had to say a weakness of any film is uh, the reliance on special effects mm. uh, I think it's great that this film look at that a practical joke that could have easily been done with yeah. a CGI shot I guess you know? that was one of the criticisms that was uh, shot at the, the tuxedo wasn't it yeah and every movie ever made other than Prince of Persia Sands of Time you really needed the CGI yes. there so uh, this this film like we said uh, none of us had seen this movie before having to do this show. I mean, Bartek and I had seen the first one, so we knew the flavour of what this was going to be, but boy, could my my taste buds weren't prepared. Uh, yeah, I did. I, we were biting into what I thought was orange, but it turned out to be cherry or grape. It was goo, actually. Goo. Frankie's goo. <laughs> um, oh, so, returning characters. And you can really tell that this must have been filmed pretty close to the first one, because... The younger brother looks the exact same. Yeah. Like, he has not aged at all. Like, even in a year, a kid of that age would be taller, deeper voice, anything. But he's the exact same. Yeah. Now... It's like some kind of immortal, unaging fellow. I've decided that Alex is my favourite returning character of the franchise. Yeah. I really wanted him to be a secret agent in this one. Like... 
in the first one, I know we won't go on about it too much, but he's like promised that he will become an agent because he's just like helped Frankie out. Yeah. I really thought that this was going to be like he was going to help out, but he's only in two scenes. Yeah, and he, he had that little reference right there. Like, he thinks he's in the CIA, which kind of references the scene where Frankie tells him in the first film. But that must mean, you know, Alex has memory loss because yeah. he no longer believes that he's in the CIA, even though the first one... Even he though he, had ga- he got to use the He has the concrete proof that he's in the CIA. But, yeah. you know, holograms. But nah, that's just typical Frankie. We all know Frankie. Frankie's yes. thing is, he's a teenage boy. I mean, no longer, but like... He's a young person who's wiser. He's, he's, he's wise beyond his years. Like, they make jokes in this movie about, like, you're a kid, but you're acting like a, a 50-year-old man. Or something rather like that. And I think it's interesting that this film really kind of played around with the idea of, let's team up Agent Cody Banks with a grown man who acts like a kid. Mm-hmm. While he is a kid who acts like a grown man. And you're thinking, now this is the brilliant part of this film. You're thinking, well, at the end of the movie, they'll both have learned a lot from each other and they'll kind of have found a middle ground where Cody realises he can be a bit more of a kid Mm -hmm. and the grown man realises he should be a bit more of a grown man. Not this movie. This movie sets it up and says, you're thinking you're going to get this, aren't you? And then says, no, we're going to leave that for the sequel. I think think the film was saying, we're going to set this up, but wait, who did we get to be the grown man? Oh, the guy from (laughs) Kangaroo Kangaroo Jack. Jack. (laughs) Now, now, let's not talk over Diaz here, who's our central antagonist. And I really like the speech he wrote here, uh, that they wrote for him here. I think the acting was really phenomenal. Now, this speech reminds me a lot of uh, Centrinians. Again, in Centrinians 2, uh, Rupert Everett's character has a ginormous speech about feminism and being a woman, and this kind of a similar vibe where he's talking about trust and distrust and evil and anger, and he's just an honest guy. Will, when you saw this, you know, I really want to, and I'll get this from you too, Bartek, did you know that he was going to be the antagonist before they revealed that he was in fact the antagonist? Well, that's a very interesting question, because, um... I watched the trailer and it makes it pretty clear that he's the antagonist there. <laughs> Damn it. But it is a it's a it's a easy deception I think for children because it's such a profoundly moving speech about a man whose sense of trust has just been destroyed by international real politic. Yeah. It's um it's a it's a, it'd be very easy to not realise he was going to be a villain initially, I think. Mm. Yes. You know what's really great? This bit here. They're setting something up. Yeah. They're taking something away. And I thought, oh, is this a spy gadget? And in the end, I think it's just nail clippers. Yeah. And in the end, what does the payoff? Swiss Army knife. Yeah, that's <laughs> like right. The payoff is an even deadlier it's, weapon. It's like an investment. Yeah. This movie invests in you. Now, Bartek, you did, did you watch the trailer before watching this movie? I have not seen the trailer at all. Great. Did you think that Diaz was going to be the central antagonist of this movie? And yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts, considering also you watched the first one where you know that they have a villain set up for the sequel in the first movie. Well, Ryan, you you were kind of... You started off explaining this whole thing about our reaction to Diaz based on the speech, but his first impression also kind of raised eyebrows where, you know... Cody left uh, someone a little, hey, sorry for the, you know, hit, and, you know, like, kind of cheeky thing, but also kind of friendly, mm. and Diaz, like, flipped his shit at that and said, hey, 
Trust no one, not even me. Uh, excuse me, the exact lines, I wrote this in my notes, right, was, to me. trust equals death, put that on your lunchbox. Yeah, but he also said the thing of, like, not even yeah, me. Yeah. So right there, I'm like, okay, is he establishing a theme of this movie? Which is, trust equals death. <laughs> but then we find out that, no, he was just a, he was just foreshadowing his um, reveal as the villain right, rather than yeah. a theme. But it's also, like, I think in terms of writing, like Will said, it's, it's his motivation in life. Like, he trusted CIA. And they betrayed him in his eyes. Like, I guess not a in reality. His, a theme of his character. Then, yeah, it's like... Rather than of the whole movie. Distrust, betrayal drives this character. He's a very uh, Shakespearean character, mm. if I had to he's, say. He's very much like... Um, Jesse Ventura, the body. No, yeah. no, 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 no. The Indian actor who's in Hollywood films. He's been on the show twice. Thunderbirds. Oh my god. Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. He's very much like Ben Kingsley in Thunderbirds. Yeah, I often think of Ben Kingsley in Thunderbirds, and I think he should have been in this too, as the same character. Um, now, here's, here's something. When I watch this, I'll be honest, I didn't necessarily think he was going to be the antagonist until he got in the helicopter. I'm like, oh, he's the antagonist. Yeah. For some reason, it snapped in my brain. I actually thought, oh, okay. Because in the first movie, I, they set up this camp. In the first movie, well, this camp is set up as a thing. This okay. is set up. Like, you don't see it. You, you see footage of it where that's how they got Cody oh, Banks. Oh, right, right. And In the first film, they have to establish why there's a whole league of child secret agents, and they're showing, like, a, a PowerPoint or a montage of, like, how they train people. Yeah, at a camp. And part of it, you see a camp. They don't really, you know... It's not at the end of the film. It's very... May, no, I, it's very may I just ask why they have a legion of uh, child sure, agents? Because they're, they're cute, and you wouldn't suspect a child to be a secret agent. So... I was thinking from from that, I thought, oh, that's brilliant. They set this camp up. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cute. they got this really mean uh, camp leader who's your typical CIA kind of dude. Because in all fairness, Keith David in the first movie was very villainous as well. Well, not villainous, but very... He was stern. But he was morally ambiguous because he's using children. Yeah. to get what he wants so like that's villainous in a way like it's... in the end it turns out for the good but he's like really angry really stern so this kind of character existing in this scenery I didn't go straight off oh he's a villain I just went he's got Keith David I like mean, I, I get you know they're in this powerful position in which there is this more ambiguity of using children as soldiers basically as spies yeah but that wasn't really a theme of the first movie no I'm not no I'm not saying that was a theme that's just kind of something you can gather from, yeah, th- from that's this that's something like... that you would bring to it but it's not really what the film's about but, oh no but that's why I... when, when I came into this and I saw this guy being like that I just went this matches the world this this, this matches the CIA mentality that they've already established in the first Cody Banks. So mm. then when he's like, don't trust anyone, I'm like, yeah, that's fair enough. Like, that's actually a proper CIA kind of thing I would believe them to do. Mm. And then when it was like, he's revealed as the bad guy, I was like, well, fair enough. I mean, I also got hung up because I actually thought that uh, the mummy, uh, the guy played the mummy in the film The Mummy, and uh, he was the bad guy, in uh, the henchman in the first the movie. The guy set up as the villain for the second one like he'll be like I'll be back I was like oh he's gonna come back in this one oh, okay cool and then he wasn't Yeah. so I think I got hung up on that but here's something here's Keith David Will mm-hmm. what do you think of Keith David in this movie do you know Keith David as an actor I, just, I like Keith David I can't think of any time he showed up in a movie or a TV show and I'm like oh, oh no it's <laughs> Keith David I can't stand this I, I always enjoy his work I do too uh, but I think 
What did you think of Keith in this movie for the small amount of time we do get him? I, um, and this is more of a general thing. I generally think that this movie is funnier than the first film. Mm, yeah. Like, I'm not necessarily saying that the plot is more intriguing or anything, but I think the comedy took a step up for this film. And I feel yeah. like the returning characters... Cody's the main character, but, like, the other returning characters for what little we see them, I feel like they were also stepped up. Like, the whole... The first movie had this whole minor... I'm not going to call it a subplot, but slight focus every now and then on the parents being, like, worried about Cody. Like, mm. this mysterious thing. Why is he going to this different school? What He got grounded at one point. But in this film... For what little they show of them, you know, they kind of play up the comedy. Like, the dad's still kind of goofy, the mum's still kind of worried, and the... the brother's still a dick. We've talked about the brother, yeah. Alex, He's kind of like... Fuck re- you, Alex. Yeah, reverted to how he was earlier in that so, first film. So, Keith David has just set up Beanie Babies being evil. Oh, yeah, and of course, the other returning character, Keith David. Keith what, Remember, guys, one of them is Keith David. One of them. One of them is Keith David. <laughs> Two of them could be Keith, um, but we so don't yeah. know. So, since they don't use Keith David as much, even though he does become important at one point, mm. um, I feel like what little they do use him, they use, you know, kind of gags there, like the whole Beanie Baby thing. That's a setup for, mm. like, 60 seconds from now. Yeah, and I think it's really cool with the Beanie Baby thing. You think they're going to use Chekhov's Beanie Baby, in which they set up a Beanie Baby in the first act, and you think, it, oh, that Beanie Baby's going to come back in the third act. No. Uh, it's not coming 60 minutes from now, it's coming 60 seconds, seconds from, from now. now. It's, it's and like... I think, Bartek, this is where we disagree. Like, I agree it's a lot funnier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I find, like, don't get me wrong, audience members, this is an unappreciated master- masterpiece. I love it. But it is an example of a, a weaker uh, sequel for me personally where I do like the sense of humour, but I feel like it lost the sense of uh, realism that the first one set up. Like, yeah. I think what's missing from this movie is the 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 character yeah the let, character let's ask will this question will how do you think cody banks is when he talks to girls hmm, he was at least a little bit awkward in this um i don't know it was a little bit awkward but i think he managed it all right yeah and do you, overall do you know how he is in the first movie um no i would not but the only thing i know about the first movie is i Got some information for a friend that some sort of mumbled ramblings about nanobots. Yeah. yeah. Well, his character in the first movie, um, the thing with him and talking to girls is it's his biggest character flaw. Mm. He cannot throw out a full sentence. Yeah, unless they're full-grown women. Un- unless they're his handler, who was a full-grown woman in that film, instead of the guy from Kangaroo Jack. Yeah, who we love. Who Don't you think that's a step up, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he has bigger tits than she did, so I agree 100%. Not so, only was that a fat bastard quote, doesn't he, doesn't he in this movie like say, get in my belly at one point? Yeah, he also says he's straight out of Compton, so <laughs> we'll get to that. Because <laughs> that reminds me of Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Uh, which really could have added a lot to this. Okay, back to Keith. I just want to end Keith discussion right here now. I think... Is, Keith, this, is this your definitive statement on Keith? For David? me, Keith David is the representation, and I mean this honestly, mm-hmm. representation of what is a flaw of this movie for me. Like in terms of, Will can enjoy it because it's an individual film for him, but for me, like this is a, a part two. Yeah, this is yeah. a sequel. It, it brings Keith with it a certain David, legacy. You know, the comedy is there, but the character is missing. Keith David 
is a lot more relaxed in this movie as a character. In the first one, he was yelling a lot. He was really angry. He was really stressed. In this movie, he gets attacked by Beanie Babies. He gets, you know, well, let one Ryan. Be fair. He gets let. We don't. We didn't see a full attack. Well, that so. is true. But he only had uh, one scratch. We 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 see. I think he had two scratches. He, we see him get uh, punched in the face. Get. Implanted with. I'll like, be fair, Ryan. They were pun- he was punched by two fists at the same time. Two fists, all this kind of stuff. He has to deal with Anthony Anderson, yeah. and he's really and D and um Cody Banks let the main villain go. The Keith David from the first movie would have lost his shit. The Keith David in this movie didn't seem to care too much. I mean, he yes, un- he seemed like I guess he a understood. Dad. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's where I go. There's he's the pinnacle of what you could consider to be wrong in terms of the sequelization of the Cody Banks movies where the characters are a little bit off. Like for instance, I love Frankie Muniz in this movie, but and I love him, but here's a weird thing. In comparison to Vodafone, thank you for your advertisement there. Fuck uh, you, Vodafone. No, we love Vodafone. Uh, we're not advertised by them, but it was in the movie. Uh, and Mountain Dew, evidently. But Fuck you too, Mountain Dew. The thing about Frankie well. is, I don't know if you felt this, Bartek, and or Will. I felt like for a movie called Agent Cody Banks 2, I didn't get a lot of Cody Banks in this movie. I got a lot of him doing things, but not like the character of Cody Banks that we got like... From the first movie. I guess, you know, the first movie ended, they didn't necessarily plan a sequel, but, like, he, he is his ultimate person, and this is, like, a sequel where the ultimate person uh, is doing a mission. But also, he can't play clarinet, so that, that stresses him out a bit. I, I think what I like about this movie, though, is, yeah, okay, it's a weakness for me that they don't focus on your main characters or, or follow through like they did with the first movie in terms of the character behaviours. But they do introduce a lot of wacky characters in this movie, yeah. and I, I love that. That's, that is, that's that what I'm is saying about the comedy, yeah. The comedy really, and you know... If, uh, if you're looking for a sequel that wants to step up the comedy and you can forgive maybe a you know lack of legacy or proper legacy, then maybe this would be the film for you. And this is like James Bond, yeah? Yeah. I mean... Hillary, it's London. So. Hillary Duff's not in it, just like she wouldn't have been in a James Bond sequel. And they don't need to explain why she's not here. Yeah, she's just not here. It's for the audience to decide. Did Thanks, they, British Airways. Did Fuck they? You too, you know, British Airways. Did they end on a bad note, or are they dating? Because he doesn't get a new girlfriend in this film. No, despite the fact that there is another gal. There's a gal. A woman, in fact. Originally, yes. apparently, she was going to be a love interest, but the director decided no. Ah, oh, the director's got his own headcanon. Yeah, and fun fact, different director to the first movie. Yeah. And I think you can feel it. Yeah, yeah. I think you can, like, you know, I think... But it is the... also a sequel, so there are other things you're feeling on the way. London. Feel yeah, that. I guess. I yeah. feel it's Destination. So, William... Yes. William, William. Have you ever been to London before? No. Bartek, what about you? Absolutely profoundly not. London? Um, I don't... I've never been to the UK. You've never destinated in London before? No, I've, I've stopped at a few European countries on the way to Poland and oh, stuff. man, but not, I've never been there either. Not the I wanted up. to ask someone who has been to London if this is an accurate portrayal of London. Well, I mean, it's filmed in London. Oh, well, there you go. If it's filmed there, that means it's accurate. <laughs> I mean, true. there you go. What do you mean by portrayal? Like, the, of the culture? Of of the culture, of the society, of of the look of it, the how it operates, the spirit of London. Right. I mean, in London, is there secret 
you know, alcoves where evil Ryan, British that's, that's where MI6 is based, so... Well, is this MI6? This well, it's not MI6, but, it's, you know... They, they get involved later. It is actually... I wrote it down in my notes. The main girl in this, she works as the central operating something or other. It just spells cop. Which I was very proud of. <laughs> On her door, it says, like, C-O-P, and it says what it stands for. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. Now, he's the cutest character in the movie. Yeah, and this is his one scene. He's a one-scene wonder. This was, this was Roger Ebert's Ebert, there, 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 favorite thing in the film. Well, yeah. thank you, Ebert. This is, he gave this. This was. He, I think he said this was a thumbs Basically, up. the only thing he liked. No, I remember there was man. something else. I can't remember what it was, but this guy definitely was one of them. Yeah, also, what least. about for you, boys? Do you give him a thumbs up? Yeah, I enjoyed him. I remember another thing in the Roger Ebert review was that um, apparently he really liked the whole playing Doctor line in the first film because he quoted it in his review of this film. Uh, well, that's good for him. Yeah. But, you know, here we have Mentos. Yeah, Mentos is f- frequent throughout this movie. Oh, yeah, it's a plot point. Whether it's the explosive kind or just the regular. Oh, oh that reminds me. Yes, Will? Oh, Will's just leaving. Oh. Goodbye, Will. Well, he's just behind Well, you. Will's gone now. So I can touch his bum from here. You, okay, if you want. I'm just giving the audience... Will, Will grabbing out... I knew it! He grabbed out of Mentos! Yeah. Oh, no. It's the rainbow it's flavor, not, guys. Yeah, the, now, guys, it's not rainbow in the Guys, film. I'm going to do something unauthorized on this show, but I'm authorizing it. I'm giving I'm authorizing level too. 5 clearance. I'm going to test if this is an explosive or not. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I think it's explosive, Ryan. You shouldn't eat it. Yeah, I ate it. We'll find out how my bowels feel later Mm. during the episode. It's a delayed thing. It only uh, affects you after episodes are done. If I I cut out a portion of it, I don't need dentists anymore. (laughs) If you have no teeth or a mouth or life, you don't need dentists. Put that on a quote. If I'm dead, I don't need dentists. Hold on to the dentists as well, Bartek. Yeah, that will come back. important later. They're coming back. Well, yeah. I mean, you did say the main villain is the you know the camp counselor guy who's no longer camp counselor, but there is sort of a trio of villains in this yeah. film. Who so, now that we're in London, we can meet them eventually. So here we have the comedy scene. You know, and I think this is cool because this guy calls back to Agent Cody Banks one, yeah. where we had there a was crazy a scientist. Yeah. And but he was a weird Texan or weird Southerner guy. This guy, opposite, kooky British gentleman. Yeah, the one in the first film, he kind of he felt like the kind of guy who wants to be hip with the kids. But uh, this guy, I think this guy's hip with the kids. This guy, when he offers them, this guy doesn't. This guy guy doesn't want to be. He just (laughs) is, Ryan. And then he does this. He's like, "Yep, that's uh, yum." And Frankie looked really annoyed. Look at him. He looks like that was not scripted. Frankie is a professional. Now, William, you watched the trailer for this movie and then you watched the movie, is that correct? Yeah, that's more or less how it went. Did the trailer give an accurate representation of the movie? Um, more or less. I think the trailer gives you the impression that she will be uh, that um, Frankie Muniz will be working with Hannah Spirit's character much, much earlier mm. in the plot. So does the poster. Yeah, this uh, this movie gives you an idea that Hannah Spirit is actually in the movie. Like, she is, but she isn't. 
I was actually surprised. Yet. I was actually surprised that spoiler alert, she turns out to be an agent. I was actually surprised by that. Yeah. I just thought, oh, is he just gonna fall in love with? I'll be honest. I saw the poster, didn't look at it properly, and went, oh, Hilary Duff is in this one. I did the same thing. <laughs> Yay! But I, I could have sworn that I read somewhere that she was in it too. So I guess I had that element, you know, misleading me as well. And here we have what I imagine to be one of Bartek's favorite characters. Jenkins. He, f- he felt like an easy pick. He's definitely up there for me, but I... It actually... was hard to pick a favourite character for this. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm kind of got three. It's this guy, uh, Keith David, I actually liked, and the the African uh, musician. Yeah, hold on to that too. Yeah. Yeah. The French horn player. Really? Yeah. So nobody liked my favourite character. Well, who's your favourite character? Oh, it's such a it's such a wonderful cast of characters. I did have trouble... Picking, oh, there's a few. Oh, there's a few I like. I sort of like his um, Cabby Kumar. Yeah. And then there's. I also do. He only shows up for one scene, but the president of the English. No, no, no. Sorry, the principal of the English school, who's just yeah, utterly yeah, yeah, yeah. transparently a huge cunt. Oh yeah. I just. <laughs> I had him. I, I, I had him in my how, top three. <laughs> I just loved how open he was about. He, he he's said a huge something dick. so absurd later on in the movie. I can't wait for sometimes, but he actually walks up going. Twa-da-la-da-da, I love firing people and yeah, getting rid of students. <laughs> Twiddy. He exits. Really? He yeah, exits he exits singing by singing about how he hates people. Just twa-da-la-da-da. I'm really surprised. I'm going to kick out all the characters. Never included his woodwind buddy. I mean, she's really cute. I think she would be great if she was actually the love interest by mistake. Like, she's cute, but she referenced an Indian actor. I don't know. So, well, fun fact. Apparently. According to something um, Will looked up, that Indian actor is... is actually Pakistani. Really? Yep. Yeah. They're not a, even an Indian a... actor. You go on IMDb. A... She's not an Indian actress. Yeah. Pakistan, I think it was a she. A gentleman who's um, clarifying that he is actually from Pakistan. Now this is a great part of the movie where Frankie Muniz, not Cody, Frankie, thinks that every Mentos is explosive. Like you know, he's a method actor. Well, he, he got traumatised by that scene. He was, I'm traumatised still by it, you know. Uh, whoa, and then lens flares. J.J. Abrams directed those scenes just for a moment there, and now it's back to the real director. Now, did it explode? No. No, it didn't, and that's that's the beauty of it. You know, there's the German kid, I think. He's German. Yeah. He's played by Alfie Allen, who's Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. And also, this is a connection to Centrinians. His older sister is Lily Allen, and she had a song in Centrinians 1 that our guest on that episode and I talked about for like a solid minute. So, connections between the two duologies. Didn't didn't the second Centrinians also have a Game of Thrones? There you go, I'm sure. Every every episode has it into itself. If every every episode had a Game of Thrones style death, I would be impressed. Mm. Now, here's something my favorite character is, is a one minor character. And and uh, you know Bartek, I think I think you will be not that surprised who my favorite character is. Prepare yourself. I really liked the moped guy, the guy who gets his moped stolen off of him by Anthony Anderson. Yeah, well, it wasn't really a moped, was it? It, was it wasn't. It was a small bike. Yeah, it was a small motorbike. <laughs> is is that maybe a difference in dialect? Is is that a difference in, in culture? In UK, is the term moped a no, bit more broad? No, in the UK, it's what we think of mopeds, but in London, that's what a moped is. In Destination London. My favourite my favorite Final Fantasy game. Final Fantasy Destination <laughs> London. Mm, I love Final Fantasy. So, I know you do. 
But you know who doesn't? Hilary Duff, and that's why she's probably not in this movie. Uh, the director's a big fan, so he was like, only Final Fantasy players, and Keith David's like, I love Final Fantasy. No, no, Keith David's like, what is Final Fantasy? And they gave him a copy of... The Spirits Within. What is that the hardest one? What's the hardest oh, one? The Spirits Within was a movie. <laughs> no, no, they gave him a copy of the hardest game of Final Fantasy, and he nailed it down in like five hours. I think it's Final Fantasy 3 then. So he finished it in five hours, and Keith David's like, I'm a fucking bro. And then Anthony <laughs> Anderson has a body pillow of one of the Final Fantasy characters. <laughs> I'm like, well, we better let you win. He's <laughs> got the male characters as well. <laughs> Steiner from Final Fantasy 9. Now, Hilary Duff, again, not in this movie, but we do get an emotional character in this movie to kind of replace her. Which we, 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 we talked about briefly, and that is that is the blind butler. I mean, I feel like Jenkins really puts the emotional weight... Was he trying to play it blind? He is blind. But in the end, he's not blind. I thought he was just old and crazy. No, he's blind, because when looking at his eyes, he has those, um, the foggy eyes, so he's blind. I mean, we, That's s- why we said that funny. about someone in the first film, too, but he actually had, you know, the guy we call Heterochromia. Oh, he had one blind eye. Yeah. And yeah, I was right about that. Yeah, I know that, and I was jokingly with the heterochromy thing, but this guy, I, I don't think he's blind at all. I, I mean, think, obviously he's not. I but... think he's partially blind, because they have this joke where he he drives the, the bus. He gets in the bus, and they're all like, oh no, and he's like, ooh, and it's like, he's he's blind. Yeah, I, I Plus, know... also, he, he tried to put the bags outside. I know he was walking the wrong way, but you know, I just thought that was you know crazy old man play. Excuse me, we've got a scene with a bunch of brown liquids and a big daddy shirt. Is this the goo Ryan? No, this is Anthony Anderson's mud. It's it's straight out of Compton. I like <laughs> straight out of Compton. <laughs> I like that the chocolate surprise was a hit to the yeah. point that at the end of the movie he asks someone for a chocolate surprise and they know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, Anthony Anderson. In both Kangaroo Jack and uh, this movie is full of surprises. And I wonder what he's doing these days. Is he okay? Is Anthony Anderson okay? I think... He, I think he's actually doing pretty well. Yeah. Is he, is I think he happy? Un- I think unlike the white guy from Kangaroo Jack, I think he's still doing stuff. I just don't know what. I think, you know... Oh, you know how I really love... You know how comedians have been doing really dramatic roles? I'd really love to see him... In like, uh, like a really serious movie yeah, about Oscar like, contender. wouldn't it be great if he was in Moonlight as the grown version of the main <laughs> I, I, character? I haven't seen Moonlight. Well, you should. Uh, so it, just say Lion. Okay, what happens if he was in Lion but as the kid version of <laughs> Dave Mattel? <laughs> That'll be amazing. He's lost in India and he's still like, he's lost in India and he's like, hey, why am I in India? Gudu. Gudu. Gudu, help me! That's the name of the brother that he loses. Oh, he's the brother as well. No, and his brother, his brother is the, the white guy from Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sequel to... Lion, it's actually a single sequel to Kangaroo Jack, where it's Lion Jack. Well, first, where it's about a lion. Well, the first part of it's set before Kangaroo Jack, but then the later half is set So it's a prequel and so it's a sequel. No, no, no. No, no. no Kangaroo Jack's the mid-call. Kangaroo Jack have sequences that are set in the past when they're children. Yeah. So technically, it can still be in the same timeline. Yeah, that's true. I'm nailing this. Mm. But where does the captain fit into all this? Captain... Did it have a name? Oh, uh, 
and Kangaroo Jack, they both loved this fake Superman ripoff called Captain something or other. That's where Frankie Muniz plays his role. This is all just... All the connections are coming together. How does Keith David get involved? Uh, he's in everything, so... He plays their dad. <laughs> he was really good at Final Fantasy 3, Will, remember? Now, Bartek, I really want to hear your thoughts on just something I'm going to throw at you. I have to think. Did you think at any point that the main villain, Diaz, reminded you... He did for me, of Jean Renault. He really reminds me of Jean Renault. I, I guess in a way, but he kind of looks like um, one of the people from a podcast I really like called Sleepy Cast. His name is Stamper. He's a popular internet guy. He makes funny videos and stuff like that. He, he looked a bit like that. Are we popular guy. internet men yet? Um, everyone, rate this podcast five stars. Share it with your friends. Uh, we got Will with us. Will's pretty cool. Hit that like button, please. For like? the YouTube version when it comes up eventually. Yeah. So, William, when you watch this, already knowing where the plot was going to go, did it take you where you needed I feel all true art doesn't necessarily take you where you expected, but it takes you where you need to go, and I'm here, and I needed to be here. Did you need to see a mind-controlled dog play piano? Now, now I predicted this. I was watching this with my girlfriend, and she's like, no, they're just going to control the dog to pour, one, uh, to pour scotch. And I just said, no, it's going to play the piano. They have the piano in this no, shot. Ryan, it's clearly just going to pour the scotch right next to the obvious piano that's not going to be used. <laughs> My girlfriend this, thought this that. <laughs> My girlfriend genuinely thought that. But yet again, it did not appreciate Masterpiece. If they had, like, that there and it never got used, it's not really beyond the realm of possibilities. I mean, that's what makes these movies a bit special, isn't it, Well. You see a movie where they set up this idea of, you know, the heroes learning something at the end, and they don't, you know, and that's a, that's a special breed that only unappreciated masterpieces can give you, is the setting up of an expectation and not following through, and it doesn't, like, piss you off. Is that fair to say, Will? Yeah, I'd say so. Sometimes these films take unexpected turns that no other movie would mm. but not necessarily like oh that blew my mind sort of way or oh that really shitted me sort of way just sort of their own way yeah what was something that did blow your mind in this movie was there a moment hmm I'll give you mine when the really upper crust uh, villain that we just saw with the cravat lord Lord something or other. What was his name, boys? Uh, uh, Kenworth. Lord, Lord Kensworth. Uh, Kenworth. Lord Duncan Kenworth. No, yeah. He, he, he reveals that he wants to demolish uh, the... What was it? St. Saint, Saint Peter's Cathedral or St. Paul's or whatever. Something outside Saint his Paul's window, Cathedral? yeah. Uh, to make a statue of himself and his dog. That really blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, I didn't expect the villain to be like that... Um, that particular villain to be so egocentric. I, I thought he would be like, you know, like the other villain where they, they want it for like grander things, but he just wants a vanity thing of the, the my statue, mm. which I appreciate. That that was something that really actually that actually did blow my mind. But all he'll get is an amiibo. What? Just, you know, just that'd be the ultimate irony. He wants this big grand statue of himself. But then in the end, on his deathbed, like, look, Dad, or, you know, anyone who gives it to him, 
He doesn't have children. Yeah, I know. The so, dentist will give it to him. I don't know. Some kid who has a crush on him, they're like, look, I made you an amiibo of yourself. And they're like, he's like, where is it? It's like, oh, it's gone. I'm sorry, it's really small. Honestly, I, I can't criticise the dog playing the piano. I just watched a um, chicken play the keyboard on the internet the other day. So I'm, I think this is almost ahead of its time, this dog playing the piano. And just... <laughs> like, Will just casually I mean, stated like, that he uh, watched the chicken play the piano too. And it's just like, keyboard, keyboard. keyboard. Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of like a step up from that keyboard cat video that was all the rage once upon a time. Yeah, they're all pretty good, but none of them are... Are this... Uh, a random setup for blanky joke, and he says it's a handkerchief. That's like the what a, a big, defense. He's a big man, so a big handkerchief. You, you, we're all big men. Do we all have big handkerchiefs? I don't know. Mm. I've never had one. Never. Never. He just wipes it on his sleeve. I mean, I have this thing called tissues. What tissues? I don't speak Polish. They get out of a tissue box. I don't know. I knew there was. I, I don't. A... I don't carry around my snot with me once it is out of my nose. I don't. I. I don't see the. I. Necessary. I use. Will knows where it's at. Will. Will keeps it in. To be honest, keeps it all in his nose. So, Anthony Anderson. We were talking about if he's if he's happy, but you know what makes me happy that he wears a night dress in this movie. Mm. He's wearing one right now. It's tartan. Yeah. I've always wanted to see him in one. You know, there's always. This is the thing about Agent Cody Banks too. It gives you things that you deep down wanted but didn't really vocalize. See, the film Kangaroo Jack was a film where he felt comfort in wearing his lucky jacket, mm. and the and the conflict of the film is that he wanted to get that lucky jacket back to conceal himself more. Whereas mm. this film doesn't have that restraint. Of God, leading... that's a comfy bed. Sorry, I had to say it. I Continue. agree. It, this film doesn't need to have that whole point of him finding that comfort again. It can just openly in a random scene show him in a nightdress and later on a bobo. Hey, fun fact, did you know Justin Timberlake snores? She just said that. Justin Timberlake snores and I didn't you fact snore check that. too. She recorded Frankie. Did she record Justin Timberlake snoring? Like, would you put it past his woodwind buddy to stalk Justin Timberlake and record him as he slept? Well, I mean, she probably thought it was Justin Timberlake. But it was actually a homeless man that had, like, a really bad blonde dye job. Because that's what his hair was like in the early noughties. It was Sugar Ray. Was he? No. I just wanted to make a pop culture reference for all the 2000s kids. Here we go. See, look at his eyes. He's blind. Yeah, the fact that he turned his eyes all the way to the left to look back... Yeah. To not make them in the peripheries. Yeah, that's he's, blind. He's blind, I'm telling sure. you. Sure. Do you like this scene? It reminded me of me cooking. It reminded me of The Simpsons with the, you know, lobster. Hence, there's a lobster in the scene. There's oh, a lobster Pinchy. in The Simpsons. So what that's is lobster's name? We'll just say it. Pinchy. Pinchy! Keith David. I Here actually back. think Keith David is... A bit, uh, I think his name's John, um, John the CIA director in this film. <laughs> well, in the and first... I think he's a bit, I don't know, with this mind control program, it's like, oh, he didn't want to use it for the greater good or for the, for good reasons. He clarifies that Diaz wanted to use it for bad reasons. I, 
I don't think there's a non-sinister reason to use mind control. <laughs> well, what happens if Bartek has a seizure? Yeah, right now, like he's having a seizure. If I mind control him not to have a seizure, then he won't have one. Mm, yeah, it's you know it's that whole thing of you really want something, so you got to stop them from wanting it. I want Anthony Anderson to have a good career. If I mind controlled him to do it, then then is that that's beneficial for the world, isn't it? Because the, the CIA mind control program in real life was pretty fucked up. People died. Well, people, I, th- I think John, the CIA also. director, has some skeletons in his closet. One of them is, in fact, every cast member from the first movie of Agent Cody Banks that does not appear in this movie. So Hillary oh, Duff's Dillery character. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about you know what's her name, Hanji Harmon. Hanji. Hanji Armin. Hanji Harmon. Hanji Armin. Isn't me all the greens really green in this movie? It's so it's a lush. It's lush. London. There was lush a scene London. earlier where he used a Mentos and threw out the window and there was mooing outside and my girlfriend said, Why the fuck are there cows? And I'm like, It's British it's the British countryside. Of course there's cows. You should have said, I'm sorry I mooed. Is actually Frankie doing a fart? He farts. They is a moo sound. Yeah, did you know that? there is a fart joke in this film. A very half-assed fart. It was joke, a very master there. of disguise fart joke in which a villain farts and then another villain looks awkwardly. It was my favorite part of the movie. Well, if I'm one hundred percent honest. Hey, look! It's the girl from S Club Seven. Is she from S Club Seven? Yeah. Yeah. That's oh. one of the big And she's things. apparently in Primeval, which I've never watched, but it exists. Is that the one about dinosaurs? <laughs> I think sometimes some bugs and other things come back. <laughs> there's there's a there's a there's a variety there. That apple is really green. I I'm just saying. Well it's London. The, the green <laughs> oh, the green in this film is very it's very green, very lush. Greeny, so everyone I, I, this was one of my favourite line deliveries and throughout the whole movie was he comes up and sees him playing with the dog and all this stuff, and the villain's like, "He what?" He's like, "What are you doing?" And then he like half hearts explains it, and he's like, "I love animals and all this." And he's just like, "Now leave my dog alone and get back to work." Like he says, it's so ju-. he's this there's a level of so much honesty in that line. I mean, he's like, had experience from all the slaves he's had. What? Yeah, like ah, oh, stop doing what you're doing, go back to work. Hmm. Slaves or servants? Yeah, whoa, slaves whoa, gives whoa, a bit Bartek. more. He has gives... surfs. Come on, it's a totally <laughs> different thing. I would watch a film about him surfing. Uh, oh, here oh, he, yeah, is. Here he is. <laughs> yeah. Reasonable cunt. You know what he looks like? He looks like a really British version of the guy who plays Cyclops, like uh, James Marsden mixed with Michael Sheen, mixed with Dan Aykroyd, maybe the hair, yeah, the yeah. hair of Dan Aykroyd. So, here we have Will's favourite character who's like, he's just a real dick, period. As you say in America, do they? Oh, this is what they say. Now, wholesome well, They don't say full stop. Wait, wait, look at this, look at this. Uh, I have them all expelled, and then do we get subtitles? No. Oh, I think it's something like, tra-la-la-la-la, expel them all. Yeah, it's just like, happy-go-lucky. Now, if I was Frankie, and I didn't know how to play clarinet, and I got assigned to play clarinet, Mm-hmm. 
I would at least put in some effort to learn how to play clarinet at some point. Like, at least in the first movie, he didn't know how to talk to girls, so they did a whole, like, thing of teaching him how. In this movie, they're like, ah, fuck oh, it. Pepsi. True, but he's also a secret agent. Yeah, he was a secret agent in the first one, so they had to teach him how to talk to girls. In this well, one, that was part of the mission. And this is part of the mission, to pretend to be a clarinet player. Yeah, but th- in this case... It's not to further the mission, it's more for the disguise, whereas in the first film, he mm. needed to talk to a girl to further the mission. Do you often wonder what other agents they have that are kids? Like, do you think you could have a Cody Banks expanded universe in which you have the sequel, you could have a spin-off of this uh, movie be like... Agent Alex Banks. You know? It's like how in um when you watch Star Wars films, the people who are really into the expanded universe will point at a random stormtrooper and be like, "Oh, this is blah 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 blah." He does this and this and this. At the start of the movie, Frankie Muniz did seem to have a slight friendship with some of the people. Of the Frank, camp. Frank. So that was a kitty hair. We're going to get Agent there Frank. Was, there was a kid who was seven years old. His name was Frank. Okay. Yeah. Not Francis or something. Frank. Who names this kid Frank in 2000s time? Well, the parents. Americans. Yeah, you got I'm me sorry. there. I'm sorry, American viewers. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry to all the Franks out there. He really, this guy really reminds me of the guy who plays uh, Perot in the... Sorry, who are we talking about? The evil British man. He reminds me of the guy who plays Perot. In uh, the newest versions of that character that's always on the BBC. Except he's not as fat. But he reminds me of that because he's got the bulge with the little twirly mustache. I love these kind of British villains in which they have their bold, twirly mustache. And oh, and here it is. Here it is, the pinnacle of comedy. We didn't even get it subtitled for the fart. We just have to assume something happened. I don't remember this at all. You it's missed a, it's out. It's a very half assed flatulence joke. Well, I mean, it was full working of the ass, at least. Well, he might have used only half of his ass. So, I remember this, though. <laughs> oh, look, it's that, he's the British equivalent of that guy who plays Scully in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, in the TV show Brooklyn Nine-Nine, there's a guy who plays a character called Scully, and he's always, like, a security guard or policeman and everything. He's, like, this fat guy. This is, like, his British equivalent and he's like really pissed off that there's urine on his sandwich, but he still like eats it. Uh, maybe that was like a behind the scenes thing. It's like, all right, the scene's over. It's just Look, so, so sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do. No, I think get, yeah. the British really like uh, pee. That's what this is insinuating. Also, you're saying that the pee is a, uh, a, a metaphor for. I don't know, something... Imperialism, typical, yeah. Somewhat, I was going to go with homosexuality, but... So so a bit like blood pudding, there's there's urine sandwiches. Yeah, it, it's called... Yeah, it's called piss bread. Uh, and uh, they really love it over there. So the, the urine is a, a metaphor for things that are uh, subjectively taboo, and he's like, oh, I can't be seen, you know, approving of this. But then once he's alone, he's like... I'm, you know what I really like? Anthony Anderson makes drinking pee look really cool. Like, what's this sequence in which he's talking on the headphone set or whatever, on the microphone, and he's just casually drinking the urine samples, and he does it like, like, oh, this is cool. Like, he makes me want to drink urine. I mean, right. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Is that another example of product placement? Does Anthony Anderson look, look, have look, his look, own... look, 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 look. He's just like, yeah. 
And he drinks it like a boss. Yeah, well, Does he have his own legend. brand of maybe that you can buy to drink? It's clearly a reference to Billy Madison, where he makes peeing yourself look cool to nine-year-olds. Oh, yeah, and I'm nine. You, you might have been... You were a bit over nine at this point, though, right? No. You would have been at, like, 11. No. No, I watched this before it got made. <laughs> when I was nine. So you watched this... Be- I wrote this! <laughs> so you watched this before the interview where Frankie Muniz said that he would be fine doing a sequel? Yeah, I told him there was going to be a sequel. He was like, before yeah. the first film even existed? Yep. Okay. They filmed right. this one right after. They all did. Because, you know, you would have been nine when Big Fat Liar happened, and this is two years after. They were still writing... Apparently they were still writing the script for some of these scenes as they were filming. Yes, yeah, so that's one of my favourite trivia facts, is they Ooh. were still writing the script as the filming was happening. So Didn't that happen with... Uh, Quantum of Solace or something? Yeah, this is exactly like Quantum of Solace. Now, Will revealed to me, Bartek, hold on to your pants. I'm wearing shorts. Will, they're still pants. Will revealed to me that this is not only the only Agent Cody Banks movie he's ever seen, Mm -hmm. but he's also never seen a James Bond movie before, so this is the closest he's ever going to get to watching any of those. I mean, look, I've only seen maybe two or three Three, so this kind of does feel. Let me guess, just the Daniel Craig ones. I've only seen Die Another Day, the first, the first Craig, and the third Craig. Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quantum of Solace is the second one. Yeah, I haven't seen Solace. All right, okay, cool. Uh, We all love Bond. But we love Banks better. Yourself, I. Yeah, actually, I'll I'll agree to that though. Thank you. Now, here's something that really confused me in this scene. Now, now, you could blame this on them writing the script as they went along, but I think this is actually a genius move here. Frankie, or I should say Cody, gets detected by just putting his hand on some wire, and then the chase begins. Why do you think that happened? Like... Do they do they alarm the wires? Maybe it was a tripwire kind of thing, but it does feel kind of awkward that it's just up there. What Absolutely if it's just a random guard lent against it? Everything has fingerprint well, maybe, detection. On maybe it. there's a protocol that you do not do that, or else this will happen. And because someone does it, it's like they didn't know the protocol. Mm. Here's something I want to know: Who's this random guy they're mind controlling now? Um, it's just some guy. Tom. Tom. Yeah. Tom Selleck. No, his name's just Tom. Who is he? It's Tom. Who's Tom? The guy that they're mind controlling. But who is he? Is he just some guy they picked up on the... Oh, he's like, oh no. Is he just some guy booked in for a dentist's appointment? And they're like, we've got him. I guess at this point they haven't perfected it, so they'd need guinea pigs, so that would be actually a good front, Ryan. Thank you. I, I really thought about it. I mean, I don't care if you did or not, I'm just saying it's good. This movie's got more gadgets, to say the least. I think what I like about it is he uses them. Mm. Now, can you imagine climbing up, just using your pure arm strength you, with you, well, the magnetized? Strength, yeah. You need some good core strength and also good magnets. And you know, Frankie, he did a few weeks of martial arts training for this movie. Mm-hmm. He's pretty rich. He also got three million more dollars for this one than he did the first. So I'm sure the training was very hard on him. Knowing that it's a thankless uh, effort. It's a thankless Muniz, yeah. It's only three million, you know, it's pennies to, I don't know, Shadok Khan, Jerry Seinfeld, rich people. Frankie. Frankie, Muniz. Not yeah. Anthony. He needs the three million. How much do you think Cody Banks gets paid? I think Cody Banks gets paid 
nothing. I think he gets paid in just pure service. Uh, like just cool gadgets like his video now. Yeah, I think what he gets paid in is they just don't tell his family. <laughs> it's blackmail. That's oh. like that no, hold on, that's creating that's solving a problem you're creating because they're making him a secret agent in the first place. And like if you don't do it, we'll tell your mum and he's like it's like how the video game industry creates DLCs and then they hold them to ransom. It's like, now we can buy it. It's like, thank you for letting us buy the thing you were holding ransom. It's not really relevant Sound to Frankie Muniz. There, but on this I thought DLC I was pretty calm there. I'm, I'm, I don't really care. It's just something I heard. Sorry, I was talking about Will and I really want to know what Will says. What oh, say? I didn't have anything relevant to say. Thanks, Will. But I Could just you... want to say that on disc DLC is pure evil. Yeah. Yes. It is. Day one on the disc DLC. It's disgusting. You know, it's not disgusting. Agent Cody Banks to Destination London. No, the cinematography. You said no to what I just said, right? I think you meant yes, but this is the disgusting. No, this movie's disgusting in how good it is. You know, like, it's so good that it disgusts people. I guess you could say that, you know, a lot of people like poo, but it tastes disgusting. Yeah, and people who like poo, some people might say Agent Cody Banks is poo, but you know who produced this? That's right. A guy who shits. Madonna. Yes. That, now, sure have you got your perspectives in And... And... George Costanza. George Costanza. <laughs> Did he produce the first one? I don't think so. I don't think so. I saw this and I was like... This movie had 12 producers, didn't it? Yeah. It had a lot of producers and they all wanted to jump in on this bandwagon. Including a guy named Michael Jackson, but it's not the Michael Jackson that you think of. No. So I was like, Michael Jackson, really? But no. Was he not friends with Frankie? He was friends with Macaulay, but yeah. not Frankie. I guess not. Maybe, Maybe because this was when he was being found out with Ma- all of his creepy Maybe. kid stuff. Is that around this time? Early 2000s, I think. Was it late 90s or early 2000s? Early 2000s. I remember I remember it being a thing in my memory, and I don't remember the 90s really that well. Yeah. I remember. I just remember people talking about him, but I didn't hear like when it happened. Sir Jerkalot. See? Isn't that a great name for a character? Mm. Sir Jerkalot. And you know why he's called that? Will, you want to take a guess? Is it his... He is a jerk. A lot. You nearly got it. He masturbates I a lot. I knew you were going to say that. He's an astoundingly <laughs> chronic masturbator, My he? fellow Americans, I knew Ryan would say that. That's you know, you know why? You know why he can't stop masturbating? Because he's conducting them with his dick. It's his joke. Ryan? <laughs> and when they hit the high notes, that's when he comes. Ryan, did you see his hair? <laughs> yeah. How it's sticking up. That's not gel. That is, in fact, cum. He's got it. Ryan's got it. He knew what I was leading to. And look at those little glasses. You know what they're for. Stop the cum from shooting in his eyes. I didn't think of that. It's an important safety tip. It's safety. And look, Alfie Allen's wearing a headband. Look at that headband. You know what that is? Foreshadowing. Because he's going to wear that at the end of the movie when they sing an important song that is as influential... That we've never never heard in the history of this show. Almost. I know this film came before the film that I'm not referencing, but yes. Was it a cover the other time, or was it the original? It was a cover (laughs) as well. I I don't think Jack Black sang that song, so yeah. (laughs) I think it was a cover. Oh, I don't... We're all laughing about something the, we only know. Isn't that the like the biggest laugh we've had this episode? So no, from me just saying. Please tell me. I was laughing at the at start. You were telling me off, saying but I'm was going still, was still too much, 
too much percentage to handle. But when you have Sir Jerk a lot in the movie, you need to go to a thousand percent. But then it was Jack Black that made us laugh. Hey, hey, hey. This guy made me laugh. This old man who has his tie tucked into his pants. I've rocked that look before. (laughs) I know you have. I've rocked the blazer. And then, and then, I love that. Bloody taxis. And I thought, you know what would be great? At the end of the credits, I, I I always watch till the end of the credits in case there's something. I really thought at the end mm. of the credits, wouldn't it be great if he's still waiting for a taxi? That old British man is still like looking it's for It's nice one. when they remember the minor things and they make that the reference. Your grandmother? His great-grandmother. Get it right. Great, great Granny, Granny Smith. Smith. Just like the apple. Apple of my, of her eye. You got it, Frankie. You're a rapper. Not only did he get it, but you got all the lines correct because you read the subtitles. No, the I, I know the script. I wrote it. Now we've got company, see? And now she's leaning against the window. Oh, he's a, ooh, a chip. Oh, he didn't eat the chip. You know why? Because it's got a big gap in his teeth. And if he eats it, it's going to get stuck in that gap. And he's going to have a new tooth made out of chips. He's got the London look. You can fill that gap with a, you know, microchip or whatever they put in there. Hey, why did they do that, actually? That would actually be cool if it's like, you're in a mind control. It's like, no, I'm not. It's like, you don't have a gap in your teeth. And it's like a tooth there just is like blinking. And then they like punch it out of him. But no, that would be too cool. Now, Will. Missed opportunity. Will, you have a flashlight, I imagine. I actually think if Will didn't have a flashlight, an old fashioned flashlight like that, I'd be very surprised. Will, do you have an old-fashioned flashlight like that? I do, actually. My grandma had a spare one, and she's like, you should take this, I and I did. knew it. And, Will, does it have a rocket rocket launcher feature? I wish. I wish. Are you sure? Have you explored the options? My uh, my grandma actually uses her old, big old-fashioned flashlight. That's her That's her self-defense thing if someone breaks into the house. She's gonna... Ditto, ditto. So I that's like, here, he is, here he is, guys. Here he is. Best character in the movie for me. Yeah, and I love Will and I talked about this. He says tough tiddly, and then you know he's like, "I'm a government agent for the CIA," and the guy believes him. Like, but he still thinks. Well, what were you said about this? Well, it's like he still thinks that oh, he's a CIA agent, but fuck you, pig. He have fifty fifty p. Leave me alone. Does the CIA Go buy yourself a donut? Does the CIA have that authority in like other countries? No. The CIA, yeah. the CIA has a, whatever authority they can get away with. Because the A stands for America. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does, Ryan. Central Intelligence America. There That's is accurate. no I in CIA. Yes, there is. There's no me in CIA. No, there isn't. Unless you spell it with America. There's no we either. Wii U, my least favorite console. But that's the one that's Nintendo's least favorite too. Oh, <laughs> I made myself really sad. <laughs> you know the Switch launches in a couple of days from this recording, right? Isn't it launched already? No, it's like Friday. No, fuck yeah. Friday. Oh well, look, they actually probably hate the Virtual Boy a bit more, but oh fuck yeah. Well, the, the Virtual Boy was such a big fuck up that they're fine, you know, referencing it at least. You know who liked the Virtual Boy? Anthony Anderson. I feel like he was the kind of guy who, who was like a campaigner choice. for it. Like, advertisements for the Virtual Boy, where it's like, do you want to have fun? I remember back when we did the Catch That Kid episode, you said that the villain in that film would have been, like, advertising the Wii U. <laughs> right? You're just looking for characters in these films to advertise Nintendo products. You know what I love about Nintendo? They're now too focused on making good consoles, but not good games. You know what I love about <laughs> them? The fact that they never lower their prices. 
I went to JB Hi-Fi yesterday and every single like 3DS game was $59. Every one of them? Yep. Maybe Including that's... an old Pokemon game next to a new Pokemon Maybe game. Maybe that was JB Hi-Fi's fault. No, it's You should have gone everywhere. to EB Games. It's no, a, you shouldn't have that, They're even worse, I think. Hey, alright guys. Enough about Nintendo and the evil, ruthless marketing strategies. Let's get on to the evil strategies of wannabe Jean Reno in this movie called Diaz. I like how his rocket launcher keeps changing in between shots. Like, it's this weird glowy thing now, and then sometimes it is a real torch. It's... Does the glowing... Does that mean it's loaded, or... It any... means that he's ready. It means that he's a Excuse v- me, guys, video game. We're missing really slow fights. <laughs> like, that was... I think that's what I like about this movie. The action scenes are a bit more physical. Like, you can see them on the camera, like... The first one had a bit more of the Jason Bourne style editing with shaky cam, fast, you know, this one, slow, steady, look at this, we saw that happen, now we're seeing it in slow motion, he's grabbed the chain, and look, it's for us kids to understand, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad they do understand that I need to understand. It's unlike Taken 2 where the edits are super fast, you can't tell what's going on. Mm. I feel like... I feel like little brother Taken should be learning from big brother Agent Cody Banks actually, 2 in Destination London. I actually really would like Agent Cody Banks 3 to be a Taken movie where he's a grown man and now it's his son that's been kidnapped. Which which blonde actress is going to be the leading lady? Uh, Miley Cyrus. Alright. No. No, no. We need... Uh, we need is she blonde? You can make her blonde. Think. She was blonde as Hannah. Montana. Tuck your shirt in because you're about to talk to Ron Weasley's dad for this one scene. Hmm. Now, Bartek, what did you think of the sequence here? I feel like this is a very quintessential, unappreciated masterpiece scene. I feel like this is a quintessential scene for any type of movies where uh, someone has to be undercover. Because, you know, not everyone who technically would be on your side if you're against a terrorist of some sort would know that you're undercover, so they're like gonna have the interrogation scene, and then they're gonna actually they they they're self-aware about it. In this, it's a parody. They Frankie Muniz tells them exactly what's gonna happen, but the way they do it differently is that you know he he's smart, he's cunning, he he accepts it when it happens. And he's like, I apologize. He doesn't go, I'm so sorry, or anything like that. No, he says it really bitterly. Like, like a well, real British man would. You were right, but I'm not going to yield to your, you know, begging for apology thing. Where's Forgiveness. This, where's this guy's backstory? His backstory is that, um... He's just a guy trying to do his, his job. His son stole his flying car, and he got so upset that he hit his head, got amnesia, wandered into the muggle world, and became a cop. And then, after that, he got fired from this job... And then tried to steal 101 Dalmatians f- for a fashion designer to make into a suit with Hugh Laurie. That's the career path of this guy. Actually, you know what's incredibly stupid? You. The first thing I thought of... Yes. The first <laughs> thing I thought of when I saw this is once I saw this documentary about UFOs in the UK, and this guy was the narrator. And unfortunately, that's the thing that stuck the most, even though I've seen him in other... Arthur Weasley narrating about UFOs. Does he believe in UFOs? Is he an alien? No, no. If he, he's a good he would be good in. He would be good as an alien in Men in Black. If you painted him, like, purple or green, and he was, like, a random pen pusher in, like, Men in Black, the UK edition, like... 
you know, they send him over to, like, Europe, it would be great. He would be, like, their alien pal. Now, look at this. Sent, what was it? Covert... Covert operation officer. C. Mm. Remember, the, the O stands oh, for America. Oh, it's not a P. I thought it was a P last night. That's not cop, it's coo. Like a chicken. They don't coo. Sorry, uh, wait. What they, do you they want They cluck. They, wait, what? Oh, sorry, coos? pigeons. Pigeons coo. Yes, pigeons coo. Are you coos. sure you know what you're on about? Pigeons coo. I don't see baby pigeons ever, so I don't know. Pigeons coo. I think you're wrong. Coo, coo, coo. <laughs> you want to do your impersonation again? Why don't you give us one, you cunt? <laughs> do it. Go on. Pigeon coo. Go, Ryan. Go. <laughs> We're still doing it. Go, Ryan. Go. Coo. Go. Animal noise, Brian. Come on, coo. I love how you're like... Coo. You're saying... I'm saying... Where's the coo? Excuse me. Where's what coo? does the pigeon say? Where's the coo? <laughs> Where's the coo, Ryan? Ryan, I'm not hearing any cooing. Will gave us a bunch of cooing. Okay, slow down, slow down. First off, your problem is I'm saying I'm, I'm saying pigeons don't coo, and you're like, do a pigeon coo. So if I did, it would have to be... It has to be... It has to be a coo. And then you're like, huh, see, you didn't do it your way. And then if I did it my way, you're like, give me the coo, Ryan. Give me the pigeon. See, what? it's a loaded coo that you've given me, and I'm going to be the bigger man here. And make a coo. And not submit. But, like, but, but Ryan, I want clarification. If pigeons don't coo, what noise do they make? Screams. Screams Give of... Give us a scream, Ryan. Screams <laughs> of loneliness. <laughs> No, fun fact, when I was at school, we uh we had um rooms that were on the second level. Yeah. And pigeons would have like their nests there sometimes. Yeah, it sounds familiar. And you would have a class of English. This actually happened like it's like, Alright, today kids today we're gonna be learning about you know where this is going, don't you? Today we're gonna be learning about Romeo and Juliet and then you would just hear and you look outside the window and it's just pigeons fucking <laughs> and you're like sorry Romeo and Juliet don't Ooh. care how this ends the movie just faded to black uh, that means it's over this oh, no, <laughs> roll credits over don't... these three heads no no it fades to black after that like Chinese food box mm. it's like oh do you think it's a requirement for Age of Cody Banks villains to be bold except for Ian McShane well, I mean, he had the whole blackface thing. Going yeah, so he had so blackface. He balanced out. But he was, yeah, he was the only non, like, you know, bold villain. Now, here's something, Will. I don't, I, I don't, oh, subtitles. Oh, cool. I don't want to get too much into this, but, you know, another thing I think might make this movie unappreciated. It's, it's hard to say. But the first movie ended with the brutal murder of the bad guy. This movie, no brutal murders. Yeah, so I guess that's why it's unpopular. Well, just to let you know, in the first film, this brutal murder that Ryan is alluding to, one of our immediate comparisons was the melting scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Really? yeah. It was to that level. I love this sequence here in which... Is there which... a bit of blood and guts? Lots. Lots. It's more like the blood completely vanished and you just scrunch up into nothing but, like, flesh. It's basically if you did... You know when you play video games and sometimes they glitch and their eyes and their teeth are pushed from the face graphic that's that's it yeah so here's something I really like about this sequence here again plays with the expectations where did you think this scene was gonna go once he started flicking the food um I don't know where it was going but the fact that they kept laughing throughout mm. his wackiness 
Like, this this sequence right... Well, I mean, sorry, this part of the film after he gets the chip implanted into him really kind of solidified my realisation of how much the comedy is front and centre. Because in the first film, we didn't see the bad guys all that much, and when we did, they were kind of sinister. Mm. But in this sequence here, all the bad guys, including Diaz, who has kind of been a serious villain, are all, like, goofing around having fun with this. Why wouldn't you? I know, I would too, but but it just doesn't kind of fit the image of, like, a villain. Well, Diaz and the villains have to let their, what hair they do have, down. To have fun. I know, and that's what I'm saying. The comedy is front and centre. Will, what about you? When this sequence started, when he started throwing the food, where did you think this scene was going to go? I thought it would go, I thought that would go further. I, I thought he would just completely and utterly trash this table. <laughs> Am I the only one who thought they was going to break out into a giant food fight? I thought it was going to break out into a giant food fight where they yeah. were all going to throw food at each other, but he only did it, and then when he left, if... everyone reacted normally, like, yeah. my God, my clothes, why did he do that? That was completely, like, they were real-world reactions. Yeah, I mean, if he wasn't mind-controlled and the movie had that tone thing going, they might have gone on a food fight route, but... I don't know. I, I I think the fact that we're trying to see him as also being mind controlled would delve away from the whole whimsical. But they're all thing. laughing and having I a good know, time. The I kids. I know, but I'm saying that because of the developments, I think the movie would steer away from that. You know what? I know. I know that his woodwind buddy is a young girl, but now she's a woman. I think her character would be a weird sex freak. Mm. With woodwind instruments involved. Will, back me up on that. No comment. <laughs> oh, so we're not going to... Oh, I thought we were going to do a skit. <laughs> You're always looking for that, aren't you? <laughs> what do you guys think of the dentist's character? Uh, he reminds me of you if you were in this movie. Oh, who's the you that Ryan's talking about? It's a mystery for the audience. Because I'm actually very confused because you were answering Will's question, but you were looking at me, so I'm like... It was you, Will. If Will was a character (laughs) in this movie, he would be the crazy evil dentist. The the guy who plays the dentist is some uh, Spanish director who I know entirely from his little appearances in American movies. Such as Agent Cody Banks 2. And Blade 2. He's in Blade 2. Is he in Blade 2 as the same evil dentist? Which is sort of a... uh, You know, I don't think we asked his profession in Blade 2. Oh, well, he could have been an evil dentist. Maybe. He seemed really broken up at the end of this movie about being betrayed by the bad guys. He was, he was genuinely hurt. He's a sensitive soul. What was it in the early 2000s with spy glasses? Was it a real big thing? It was a big thing. Spy kids made spy glasses cool. This did. Well, it was a very covert thing. And now you got Google Glass. Oh, there you go. They exist. Thanks, Agent Cody Banks. Agent and they invented Google Glass. And that kind of, you know, ruins the whole romance of it. Yeah. Miss Tootie Flutie. Classic Anthony Anderson. Now make a straight out of Compton joke. Don't worry, he'll be Uncle Compton later. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle straight out of Compton later. I mean, oh brother. This movie, I feel a lot of things when you watch it, you know? And I think that's what this has over the first one is it gave me a lot more feelings. Mm-hmm. And the first one, like, the first one gave me, let's say it gave me like four solid feelings and it made me feel those things solidly throughout all of it. Evenly 
throughout. This gave me like 14 feelings. Specifically when Frankie Muniz got, you know, elbowed in the face. No, frankly, when we can see his teeth, like the back of them. Gave me 14 feelings there. Mm-hmm. No, don't do it. Are you nuts? You're going to blow off his little Mentos head. And there you go. That's how you say the lines incorrectly. Bartek, mm-hmm. you didn't say that. Now, here's something... Well, when you see Anthony Anderson, have you seen him in anything before? Have you seen Kangaroo Jack? I have seen Kangaroo Jack. I you see him around. No, now, I mean, not personally. I don't see him on, like, the bus. But, you know, <laughs> you see him around. I feel uh, like if he was on the bus, he'd be, like, talking to himself. How would you... Movies. I think if he was on the bus... If he was on the bus, he would have burnt DVD copies of his movies <laughs> and you're just giving them to you you're not even selling them anymore I, I don't know I don't, I don't take the bus that goes in and out of Compton and straight <laughs> out of Compton then straight in a Compton he would be on the bus selling Kangaroo Jack being like you know that Michael Shannon guy I gave him his break it was me to, uh, yeah tomorrow of uh, our recording you know, the Oscars are going to happen. By the time this episode comes out, the Oscars will have happened. Could Michael Shannon get an Oscar? And you know who should accept it? Anthony, Anthony Anderson. Anderson. No, 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 no. Even better. The Michael whole... Shannon wins the Oscar and they hand him, instead of the statue, a <laughs> statue of Anthony Anderson. Oh, I was going to say a kangaroo jack memorabilia. Oh, no, 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 even better. That's Instead option. of handing him the statue of the Oscar, they just hand him Anthony Anderson, like someone's holding him in, in their arms, like, here you go, Michael, and he just goes, thanks. We all know how much you love Kangaroo Jack and the uh, rapping kangaroo. Do you think it was Anthony's idea to dress in this outfit? The Bobo? Yeah. Well, someone had to have the idea. Honestly, it looks pretty comfortable. Yeah, Bobo, it looks good. Yeah, look, ladies go loco for a brother in a Bobo. That was something someone wrote down or thought of on the day. Well, it rhymes, Ryan. It does, it's a rap. Yeah. That's what raps are. Throw it into a rap and yeah. So why do you need the American leader at the end if you have every other leader? Because... <laughs> I mean, you have the Russians. I think when Russia's there, it's actually called G8. I might be wrong. What? Oh, apparently. Look, look it up. But look maybe up one of the G7 people weren't there. Where's Australia in this? Are we involved in the G7? Mm, we, We're not we, one uh, of the seven. We're very influential, Ryan. We are. Where's our didgeridoo playing band? Bang, thro- boomerang thrower. Boomerang. Where's Kangaroo Jack in this movie? <laughs> he should be there in his lucky jacket. <laughs> Representing his fucking country. Why aren't we ever involved in the world domination schemes in these movies? You never see a movie where James Bond has to foil an evil Australian. Even though we have... Donald Trump, if you're listening, give us a heads up. No, Rupert Murdoch give us a heads up. He's an evil Australian. Mm, Yeah, he is. But, I mean, that's kind of like a fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact, we he's have, Australian. Fun fact, we have an evil Australian. I mean, who's America not... has it. Actually, he has America, so... He has so. every paper ever. He doesn't have the, the paper that you wrote notes on. Fuck you, No, he, he, he does, in fact, own that. Yeah, on my piece of paper, I'm looking now, there was a moment, there's a moment later in which they're having a fight, the girl and uh, one of the, the evil dentists, and she's like, this is gonna hurt. And I'm like... Oh, 
And then they fought. I wrote, no nut shots? And then later on, there was a nut shot. So this movie really plays with the expectations. It's it's setting up nut shots, not delivering them, then delivering them. In conclusion, S Club 7 is stronger than dentistry. And nuts. Well, I mean, nuts are kind of, you know, fragile. No, and it depends not, on nut. And, walnuts and they, and, and they don't not like And they don't, like, balance out that, uh, you know, they do a lot of damage if you, like, use them in a fight. So it's kind of like a... Kind of like a penalty, well, not a penalty, but like a handicap. handicap. Yeah, handicap. Where do you think they get these outfits from, the bad guys? Where do you think they went? Uh, I think the costume department got them. That's a joke, everyone. You can clap if you want. Will's one had good rhythm. All right, no compliments then for me then. Well, you were clapping under the table, so. Ah, oh, that's exactly it. Because mine's more mannered. When I first oh, mentioned I was going to watch this movie, um, a friend clarified that they'd seen it before. And they <coughs> loved but it. they thought Frankie Muniz and Elijah Wood were the same person. Well, that's fine, because in our previous episode, Elijah Wood was an answer to trivia. Any trivia for this episode? I did find some quizzes, but they had kind of lame questions that were more about the actor's other work than the Here's film. something. Keith David just got told to keep his hair on, and then he checked his hair. Is that indicating that Keith David wears a toupee? It could be a little, little Maybe subtle wears gag. A toupee. Oh, this is Uncle Compton scene. And there's Alfie Allen acting his little heart out. And he's going to be upside down in a second. Well, that but happens what is dead when you... never die. Do you his... remember Game of Thrones, guys? Yeah. That's a popular show. Yeah. What was his name? Jerk off? Jerk a lot. Jerk a lot. Because he jerks a lot. And I love how he's massaging him to like hurt it. Smack. Yes. Now keep an eye on that kid there. Yeah. No, right, well, it's that one. Back. One of my favorite characters. Back. Your favorite character. He's he's relevant to this whole entire thing. Mm. So let's talk about the obvious person in the room, Frankie Muniz. Let's all give a little thing about what we think about him as a performer. I mean, we've known before on it's on our third, previous agent, but like it's him. it's good. What do we what do we feel about him? Well. You can buy Big Fat Liar for $15 on iTunes, and you can buy this movie for $15 on iTunes. So I think Frankie Muniz is worth about $15. No. For two hours at a time. No, oh, yeah, there you go, yeah. I was going to say, if you combine all of his movies, he's worth at least $200. But. What? What do, do you... I feel about him? Yeah. I don't know, he's a handsome kid. I think he also go karts. Go-karts? Professionally, possibly semi-professionally. I, don't uh, know. I think go karts is a bit of an understatement. It wasn't he, Formula One. He does Formula One. Okay, well, look, those are basically the exact same thing. <laughs> I know it was just a bit one of an for children, really one for difference. Frankie. <laughs> it's perfect. Go karting, Formula One, they're the same stuff. And this is just—it's the same thing as NASCAR too. That's just go karting in a circle. And he just did a little bit of slapsies with the German kid. Alfie Allen, yeah. Have you guys seen John Wick? Alfie Allen dies in that. Spoiler alert for the first John Wick. He plays the evil Russian kid. Spoiler alert that he's talking about the first one, Ryan. Sorry, guys, if you wanted to watch John Wick, but you made the better choice to watch Agent Cody Banks too, because it's Destination London. It's clearly a better action movie. Here's fun thing: connections between John Wick two and John and Agent Cody Banks two. John Wick two takes place in Europe. As does Agent Cody Banks. Destination London. You're right, London is in Europe. 
I nailed it. I can't believe that I can believe it. I feel sorry for this poor butler. Butler. And then the president, you know, I feel sorry for him too because he's just trying to do his job. Mm. Do you think, do you ever feel, I know we live in a Trump America right mm. now, Trump first, but do you ever feel sorry for US presidents and movies that, that they get kidnapped, they get assassinated, target and all that, but it doesn't seem that interesting in real life? Yeah, well, it's it's that brilliant thing of kidnapping someone with a lot of power, but at the end of the day, they are just human, so they, mm. they need, you know, extra help to be... Uh, harder to kidnap and things like that. This is a you know president kidnapping tips podcast. Yeah, how to kidnap your president. Mm. One hundred and one. Uh, my tip would be hire Frankie Muniz. Yes, we can't actually speak on that behalf because you know we live in a prime minister land. <sighs> yes, we live in prime minister land. Mm-hmm. You know who would be a great prime minister? Frankie Muniz. <laughs> I would love him as our prime minister. It doesn't I, care. It doesn't I, I care. think. I think the uh, the nephew of Compton would be a good prime minister. No, I would want Uncle Uncle Compton. Well, Uncle yeah, Compton he too, but he's American. Because he has already been to Australia. Oh, that is true. He has been in a film called Kangaroo Jack. It's a, it's a it's a pillar of Australian culture that he's appeared in. So it would only be fitting. Is this a pillar of British culture? Sorry. Is this a pillar of the British culture? Oh, you're talking about the film. Yes. Oh, well, it's about as British a film as Kangaroo Jack is Australian, so... So, yes. And as, and as we know, in real life, if you can compare one thing to another, they're exactly the same. Yeah. My finger, God. Same. Just like the picture. Uh, if you steal a chocolate, that's a crime. If you murder someone, that's a crime. Same sentence. If... if if I murdered Will right now, I'd only get, like, a, a little bit of time because it's the same as it was me eating his Mentos that he gave us. Can I have a Mentos, please? Nah, you can get them when we get the reviews. You've been a naughty boy this episode. Have I? No, you've been a good boy. Cool. Yeah, have a Mentos. Yes! Will, you're not getting any of your own food. <laughs> Fuck you. This isn't an explosive one. You're not being nice to me just because it's going to explode, right? No, it's not because it's going to explode. I'm a nice man. Here, have a yellowy Mentos. It's kind of orange. He's eating it. The fool. Yeah, I think that's orange flavour. Might be pineapple. I'm not sure. Bartek's dead. We finally moved on from Spit and Polish Presents to just Spit and Polish Present. We got rid of the is because that required two of us. Now Bartek's dead, finally. I can do my lifelong dream of podcasting, which is to tell you the truth about me as an individual. And the truth is, I love Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. I mean, for this podcast, I've been, I don't think I've been communicating that enough. The love of this movie. Will watch this for the first time, as did I. I've seen the previous movie, he has not, but we both have something in common. We love this film. Isn't that right? Yes, yes, And yes, if Bartek yes. was here today, if he wasn't dead on the floor right now, his blood staining my carpet, what a dick, by the way, for doing that, he would have agreed with us right now. He would have said loudly and boldly that he loved Agent 
Cody Banks 2, Destination London. That's what he would have said. In fact, I've got his, his willing testament right here, right in front of me, right now. And it says, I leave all of my possessions, all of them, to Ryan Slewinski. And you know what his possessions are? I've got them right here because I was prepared for him to die in this podcast. I went to his house. I talked to his mum, lovely lady. She speaks Polish as well. I don't. But we spoke in English and I said, Bartosz going to die today. And she said, great. Do you need all of his stuff right now? And I said, yes. Yes, I do, Bartek's mum. She passed me all of his stuff. One suitcase. One suitcase of stuff. That's all he had to his name. And a pillow. And I got a pillow... And in that suitcase is nothing. I, I repeat, nothing but copies of Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London, on VHS, DVD, Laserdisc, downloaded copy, every single thing you can imagine. In English, in Polish, Russian, every language, every single copy. In fact, if you look in your DVD collection right now, and you owned a copy of Agent Cody Banks 2, you'll find it's no longer there because Bartek owns every, or used to own every copy of Agent Cody Banks 2, and now I own them all. And if you want a copy of Agent Cody Banks 2, do drop us a message on our Facebook page, Spinbosh Presents, and we'll make sure to mail, I'll make sure, and we'll make sure to mail you a copy of it with maybe a personalized note saying how much I love you for wanting to carry on Bartek's legacy. Because it's really his legacy. You know what? This episode should be called Unappreciated Masterpieces, Bartek's Legacy. In which we just have to really dedicate this to a man. Will Guys, I'm so sorry I'm late. Who's the dead guy? It's your brother, Oscar! (laughs) No! My brother died! What are we watching anyway? We're watching Agent Cody Banks too. Oh shit, am I... I'm not too late, am I? No, we're about near the end, but, uh... Get the fuck out of here, Oscar's dead body. Sorry, your brother grew a beard, and he looks exactly like you. But guess what, Bartek? What? Your mum thought you were gonna die, and she what? gave me all your copies of Agent Cody Banks 2. Oh, thank God. I have two copies of Metal Gear Solid 2 at home. I didn't want you to get those. Oh, thank God. I don't want them. They're, they're trash. But not like Agent Cody Banks 2, which is pure gold. I mean, you know it's gold right now, Will, because yes. we're getting the most famous scene anyone knows of this movie, which is very similar to a movie we've done on this show before, Gulliver's Travels, in which how do we solve a solution? We randomly we sing. Solve a problem, Ryan. Oh, how do we randomly solve a problem with a solution? <laughs> We sing impromptuly. Uh, War. What is it good for? By Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And the answer is absolutely nothing. And there's nothing more tasteful than a German kid singing War, What Is It Good For? to the British. Yep. Because they started it. And as a Polish person, as you are, Bartek, and not you, Will, we understand that the Germans deserve... To know war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Because they've never learned that lesson in the previous two world wars. So there's never been World War Three because they learned that lesson. Isn't that right, Bartek? They learned it's good for nothing. Yep. It's absolutely nothing. Say it again, y'all. No. War. No, no. stop. Good we God, now. We don't have yeah. the we don't have the copyright. We don't have the budget of Agent Cody Banks 2. Yeah. We can't afford it. I'm breaking up into tears. Ryan's reusing this joke. He must be right. I'm not reusing it. I am resampling it. Whoa. Look at him swing that club. Oh, I thought he was singing it again. <laughs> I, thought he smelt, I thought he smelt something. Yeah. It went... 
Whoa. <laughs> I thought it was saying like that. Whoa. Well, I mean, there, there is a dead body in here. Now, so. whose guitar is that? He's like, oh, there's a famous guitar. It's the who's Queen. gu- it's the Queen's? Yeah, you Bosch know the Queen. She rocks out. We don't even get the subtitles for War. What is it good for? We just have to assume nothing's happening. Do they sing anything beyond the chorus? Yeah, they do. They sing the whole song. Yeah, I know, but... Usually if subtitles vanish... Come on, Liz. things get, like, repeated a lot, but... Can the Prime Minister just call her Liz? I I mean, if they're close. I mean, he touched her. I mean, I mean they're that, pretty that close. Oh, here's the nutshot coming up. Here's right. the nutshot, and he does it to himself. Yeah, that's kind of unexpected for a main villain. Well, no, not really. But D- not... Depending on what kind yeah, of Yeah, but if it was Diaz, I don't think Diaz would have yeah, done that. And that's, that's when I mean. this movie falters. You know, I... Like, the his, real like reason, his body when he hits himself The, the real reason it's unappreciated is because Diaz hit himself in the nuts. That's, that's not Diaz. Mm. That's, not, that's not the Diaz I know. That would have been the dentist. That would have been totally the dentist. Yeah. Or this guy. He's a bit clumsy, too. What if they made, remade this climactic scene so that... But with the actual queen? <laughs> that, and the fa- and the idea that all three of our, you know, trio of villains all swap their flaws. Nice. <laughs> I also would have loved... Oh, this is the guy! Okay, so see this Asian man here? Yeah. He was my second favourite character, Cos. Because. That's short for no, Cos. Cos... He gets up. This is true, isn't it, Will? He gets up on the table. Not as that's dancing, but he gets up as he's getting up. He goes, Whoa! And I'm like, could you get any more Asian? Like, it's a weird stereotype, that, that noise. That, Whoa! But he did it. Yeah, and I want to know, did he did he get directed to do that? Yeah, see that black kid there? Yeah, it's not oh, even yeah. a martial arts film. But you know, well, you I see, Ryan, I... Because these headphones, you know sometimes when you one the side of the headphones isn't working, you can't hear all the noises that are going on in a movie or a yeah. song? I've watched it twice with these headphones, and I didn't hear a whoa. I heard So it. this is actually, this is news to me. You're missing out. He I goes, missed out on a whoa. He goes, sure it wasn't the German? No, it was the Asian man. Okay. I am I'm, not I'm crazy. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that Asian if you man guys is the Chancellor of Germany. Remix it into a song... I'll be proud. So, was it a surprise to you that Jenkins was an agent? Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting it, but when I saw it happen, I was like, yeah, I can accept that. Well, you have to. They, they're telling you you have to. Also, the German kid said Danke very much. Which is wrong? We, I'm just saying that he, you know, used two languages, so it's like, hey. Is that what you do? Yeah. So, he's a good boy. Yeah, I'm not saying he's a bad boy, I'm just saying. Unlike your dead it. cunt brother, Oscar, who's lying here on the floor, bleeding out. Is he gonna... Are you gonna get your mum to come over and clean this mess up? That is your brother? Jesus. I, I don't want to think about that, Ryan. That's, Ryan, that's you, your carpet's it. already filthy. Just, just let it go. <laughs> it's filthy because you brought fucking mentals here. You said the cunt spit. word, Ryan, and that's not nice. Canute. I'm sorry. There we go. Is that alive still? Canute? The, was it a bear? Penguin? I don't have a single clue. Yeah, for a second. Could could I could I get a bit more detail? Cheerio, dude. Was it a polar bear called Canute? Ah, oh, you you given me vaguely someone here, and this is gonna bug me. What? <laughs> Who is Canute the polar bear? Oscar Bartek's brother. We already established this. Will get on the ball. No, I'm off the ball. You leave Me my and family the out of this, Ryan. Same room. Hey, I already talked about your mum a lot. I hope she listens to this episode in particular. She's like, oh, that's cute. She oh, mentioned me. She called Oscar a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he... 
I used the wrong... So your I brother's know. a girl, now that explains the lack of dick. Well, I said she called Austin. My brother listens to this episode from the afterlife. I mean, if you're in the afterlife, you probably have access to, like, everything. You probably do everything at the same No, time. you don't have access to Agent Cody Banks 3. Oh, we missed him asking for a chocolate surprise. But we didn't miss the dad looking really confused at this really grown adult man touching his kid. I mean, to be fair, the kid was touching him as well. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, that just makes it fine. The mum really does look like Deborah from Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> I'd say that's accurate. But fun fact, it's not her. And the movie is ending now with Alex giving us the quintessential things of wanting to have food. Oh, this movie really ends with a message knife. of communism as well, where he shares everything. And look, here's a Swiss Army knife, the most with used... Tweezers. With tweezers. That face Alex is making, that's a, that's a villain in the making. Hmm. Like, the, the Zoom 2? No, anti-hero. He's an anti-hero. Punisher with with Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Where he just shoots him. Camp Woody, but with a K. I really thought they were going to bump into that guy with their car and he would just fall into the water. The guy that's walking really slowly with the red jumper. What's... Is he okay? I'm sure he's I don't know. Has he got something not wrong with him? Like, he's really walking slow. Like, look, he's still there. He's struggling. This couple have walked really far. Yeah, and uh, if you've ever been an extra, it means they have to probably do that many times. So he's probably tired. Yes. He's just like, screw it, I'm on Agent Cody Banks too, I'm going to walk if, as fast as I want. What if everyone in this scene was in on it? It's like, hey, let's just keep doing it against the tire amount. Thanks, Kevin Allen. You did a good job. I'm glad that you hired Keith Allen to be uh, the main antagonist, and uh, Alfie Allen to be the German. It's a full-blown Allen... Bonanza. It's a... And it's got the girl from S Club 7. It's a trifecta of Allens. Now, this is the end, guys. We have come to the emotion... Nice still. Uh, we have come to the emotional climax. The end. And, um... Yeah. We're gonna... Go, Jason, Alexander, and Madonna. I've always wanted to see them work God, together. I think there's even more than 11 producers on this. Now, well, I said 12 earlier, so... Bartek um, and I... Is more, I think more than 12, even. We are going to give our rate reviews and ratings, and then Bartek and I are going to read some reviews and uh, comments from YouTube and IMDb. But first, I'm going to have one little detail of Bartek, which is, Bartek, I was asking myself, why no Hilary Duff in Agent Cody Banks 2? Yeah. So I typed that into Google. Mm-hmm. And it led me to a site called Hillary Fan. In which specifically a... Duff? Yeah. Okay, because we live in a world where there was just a really important Hillary. Yeah, Duff. Yeah. So, <laughs> Hillary Duff. Why Hillary? This is a thread of conversation called Why Hillary Duff Didn't Appear at Agent Cody Banks 2. That's, and this is, that's the name of the thread, and then this is the f- person asking. That's my question. Why Hillary Duff didn't appear in Agent Cody Banks 2? I mean,. I read many times that she was going to be in that movie. Sorry for my English. I'm not from the USA. Came from South America. Hillary Duff rules forever. She is my god. Please. <laughs> Please. I want friends in Chile. Where where I live. 
no one knows Hill. So I want to know people that live in USA and know Hill or just have friends. You know? I don't know anyone in USA and then sad face. <laughs> that <laughs> devolved from a question to a plea for friends. <laughs> and then the reply to that is, I don't think she wanted to, but I do know that she was filming another movie and it would not get done in it. That, that was the reply. And then another reply to that one was, there could be many reasons why she wasn't in it. Hillary would be too busy working with different projects, other movies, promoting her current album, approving stuff, etc. Therefore, the storyline would have to change. And then the final comment okay. that just ends it all. This person shared the previous reply and then just wrote, <laughs> they just wrote I really don't know. And that's it. <laughs> they really needed to chip in. Mm. I really don't know. Brittany Rudd, in case you want to know their name. So that was that was just a little threads of conversation I thought would be very from, from interesting. From the Hillary fans. From the Hillary fans. The non-political Hillary. Oh, Bartek, let's hear from you first. Your rating and review, or review and rating. I'll, I'll do the traditional one. Um, so I've already established... I mean, my brother, or my imposter, whoever that was... Your or, brother, Oscar, he's dead now. The person We are burying him tomorrow in my backyard. I will speak for the entirety of the people who sat in the seat that I'm in. On. <laughs> You're in his blood. I'm in his seat. In his stool. In where I'm sitting, I've established that this film, I, we feel, is more funny than the first one. Hmm. Whether that's... It actually makes you laugh more, or it's geared to be a comedy more, or if it's just the better film, it depends on how you're judging it, but I feel like that was the attitude in the making of this film. When films get sequels, that's always, you know, kind of a touchy subject, uh, and I guess that's sort of a theme of this February month we're doing of duologies, because by its very nature we're doing sequel to an original as well as the original but obviously in reverse order because that makes sense because one's before two just like how 11's before 12 it's like peas before poops yeah I like peas um a good poop is good but you do have a point Ryan in that the characterization might feel a bit off at times especially with the few returning characters we have but I feel like that really just goes back to that whole notion of once a film which is intended to be standalone is over, you kind of want the main character to just be at their best. So this really is, you know, them being loyal to that notion. Mm. This is Odie Banks, Agent Cody Banks at his best. And this mission can only be done by the best. This film is all about the best of everything. In fact, we have one of the best character or actors that we featured on this show, Anthony Anderson, back in this film. Before, sp by before I mean last week, we had an actor from the first film we ever did appear, Frankie Muniz. Frankie. He's back. Now we have an actor from the third film we've ever done returning. But no one from Thunderpants. So. Uh, well, I'm Ron Weasley's dad, I guess. But He wasn't in Thunderpants. Yeah, I know that, but Ron Weasley was, so. That's oh, there a, you go. Nailed it. That's a light, light connection to that. Look, whether... Wait, know, wait, wait, we had a fart in this movie. 
There you go. There we go. That that's the bridge. But we've had farts all through it. Never mind. Look, obviously in this review, I've said that I like this film more. I think it's funnier. But I've also said things that you know would be in favor of the first one being better. But this all just goes back to that notion that we just keep hammering on and on and on about every time we do a sequel or an adaptation. It's not about becoming better or the best. It's about expanding the universe that's created. Expanding, not not even just the universe of the film, but the universe of film in general. Mm. It's all about bringing it all back to you. Yeah. That's an S Club 7 reference. I got it. Yes. I didn't get it. Go on. I think that would be it for my review. So I will give this film a rating. Yeah, you will. And I think that rating is there ain't no film like an Agent Cody film. That was beautiful, mate. I love that. Mm. I'm going to go straight in. Well, you're going to be lucky last with this. But I'm going to go straight in. Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. I do feel like it is a weaker film than the first one. But that doesn't mean it isn't a strong film, to say the least. The first film made such an impression that the sequel had a real challenge on its hands. And I think a part of the challenge was not having a lot of the returning cast, not having Hilary Duff, not having the scientists, not having this, this, and this. But it filled in the blanks by having Anthony Anderson. Just him alone fills in the blank of Hilary Duff. Who needs Hilary Duff when you have a big, strong, chocolatey man who's Anthony Anderson? That's right. That's right, you only need him. He's the human chocolate surprise. He is the human chocolate surprise. And Frankie Muniz is the glue that he, he that holds the whole project together. Frankie Muniz has a certain level of charm, charisma, lovable nature to him. That quirky look that he has, but that arrogant sound in his voice that's just enough. It's not annoying, but it's just enough. He is the quintessential actor of this time. He is the teenage boy of the 2000s, of the early 2000s. And I think we've lost that. I think we've lost the the child star. The only child star I can honestly think of is the is, uh, uh, two uh, child stars that I can think of right now in this day and age, which is, uh, I think one of them's called Ed Oxenbull, who was in The Visit. The M. Night Shyamalan movie. He's been in a lot of stuff. And uh, Jacob uh, Tremblay, who was in Room. Uh, Not The Room, just Room. And both those guys are are very good, but none of them are Frankie Muniz. We've lost the art of having a Macaulay Culkin, a Frankie Muniz, and Elijah Wood. We've lost that art. And I think it's one we need to get back in movies. And watching movies like Agent Cody Banks 2 reminds us that sometimes... We've stepped too far forward. We've reached too close to the sun. Because we've moved beyond Agent Cody Banks 2 as a society. And I think that's where we've gone wrong. Is that why we have Trump as president? Maybe. Maybe because we didn't give this movie 10 stars out of 10. And that is what I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a simplistic 10 out of 10. Usually with the ratings we give them bizarre or absurd. But... For a movie of this caliber, you have to be honest with this. And I am being honest. Not saying Bartek and Will aren't going to be honest, but for me, I'm going to be straight with you. This is a 10 out of 10 movie. No jokes, 
no sniggers, none of that. This is a 10 out of 10. And if you have to get a rating? Your mama. Will, it's your turn. Okay. Um, well, I haven't seen the first one, but I'll lie and state my review as if I have. <laughs> These two films are like night and day. They're nothing alike whatsoever, but that doesn't necessarily mean one's bad and one's good. They're both strong, strong films. They had... Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London, had me laughing all the way to the Banks. The Cody Banks. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes a sequel doesn't need to be what you expect. It needs to be what you need. And I think we as a society needed this film like tetanus shots. I give it Operation Midnight Climax out of MK Ultra and give it a strong recommendation. <laughs> Bardic, let's hear from you some YouTube comments that you've collected. Now, where did you find these comments? Are these just for the trailer? Um, I'm not entirely sure that I got any from the trailer, but just from random videos of the film on YouTube, whether it be just a scene or a part whatever out of 11 of the full film. Excellent. So some of them might be referring to specific things, but I feel like a lot of these can be considered a general thing. General. Such as the first one, which is still chill inspiring after 10 years since seeing it. Some people, you know, we, we talked about in our reviews that some people haven't seen it and, you know, they're kind of out of it, but this guy right here, or person, whatever, I'm not assuming they're gendarme, they got, yeah. they got it. Nailed. Still chill inspiring. Just like the next one, which is like this if you're still watching this in 2014, lol. Did you? I mean, it was 2017 for me. Well, that's why you're right. I'm doing it. There were eight likes on that comment, though, Ryan. Well, there you go. Eight people watched it. There's eight bold pioneers keeping the memory alive. And hey, this one right here, it kind of goes contrary to one of Ebert's recurring notions about these films. Take that, Ebert. Take this, Ebert. Listen. You, You can do that. These are way better than Spy Kids to me. When I lived in Ottawa, I think met some real kids like this, lol. I'm very glad that someone added that. Um, uh, I'll read a review from IMDb. I mean, I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to read a review from... Wait, wait. Uh, I want this one. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a couple of episodes... I swear. Just like, what? You gonna go? Any of the other ones, but I want the first one. So you're gonna read us the first this is one? Like, this is like, do I go right away? This is yeah, like an episode yeah. of Oscar right. where. So remember, it flips over onto the second page. So, so this is like our episode of Oscar where we let. Wait, wait, yeah, Rob read wanted one. to read a comment. He read the, the best, best comment. Review. Crappy sequel. An embarrassment even to Frankie Muniz himself. That's the title. Three out of ten. <laughs> Author, movie critic, Marvel fan. From California. We know where you live now. 25th of May, 2004. So pretty close to the release date, I imagine. Yep. Frankie Muniz comes back as Cody Banks in this lackluster sequel in which he comes out of kids' spy school to track down a Hispanic dictator named Diaz, who used to be in the Sia. I don't think it's ever implied that Diaz is a dictator. (laughs) 
<laughs> Lame jokes are abound in this sequel, as the jokes will pass you by without making you laugh. Although kids might get them, like the chocolate surprise joke, and millions of James Bond references. <laughs> One aspect I didn't like in this sequel are the numerous racial insults and stereotypes in the film, ranging from a Middle Eastern with a bad accent, bad British accent, but okay, to a black Muslim who plays the trumpet! (laughs) Man, I don't know how this on screen! It also explains... (laughs) That was the best read. It also explains why Roger Ebert gave this film a thumbs down. Still, if you like dumb entertainment, check it out. Postscript. Speaking of dumb racial stereotypes, that girl who plays the blonde dumb bimbo who believes the lies of Cody is a near riot at the expense of dumb blonde stereotypes. A few laughs, yes, but is this a good movie? No. no. And it wasn't a trumpet, it was a French horn. <laughs> and I don't know if we got that guy's religion, I really he don't think we did. <laughs> so, I'll read the next one. Actually, it's great! Oh. 9 out of 10 stars! It's like a response. From 2008. <clears throat> Before I saw this movie on DVD, I had low expectations about this film because of the negative reviews about it. I must say that I liked it. A lot. This film is just as good as the first Banks. Minus Hilary Duff. This time around, Banks attends a CIA camp during the summer. One night, troops came to take the leader of the camp away. But Banks thought it was just a drill. How wrong he turned out to be. Just had to include that. The guy who escaped is a mind control geek. And he wants to use the devices to take over the world. Banks must head to London, team up with two more agents, a hot chick, and an agent who stays in London, and stop the world from turning into mind control freaks. The acting is especially it is great, especially with all three agents played by Frankie Muniz, Anthony Anderson, and Hannah Spirit. The plot was a simple one with a few comedic points added in. I recommend this film to everyone. I rate this film a 9 out of 10. Nice. Hit us, Bartek. I mean, not literally. I'm just going to read... Let's just hit your dead brother's body on the floor. I'm just going to read some more comments. Yeah, breathe. I love these movies. My favourite movies and will always stick with me. I screwed that up. Because of Spy Kids and the times changing so fast, these movies didn't get the chance to be as big. You guys did great on the movie. Thank you so much for doing your work. (laughs) (laughs) And the next one is... uh, Actually, the next two are very enthusiastic. They want to be in the world of the movie because this one is... I want to go to Camp Woody! Yay. And the next comment is... Wannabe Spy, colon capital P. Well, I have a five-star review here, so very even review. Very very down the middle. Pretty good for children. 2012, this one came out. <clears throat> this is a sequel to the original version. Agent, Cody Banks. This is great for children. Five to eight. 
to nine. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they just decide? Get rid of the eight. <laughs> I very much recommend for children those age frames. Then again, I don't recommend for older teens. 12 plus. Your older teens might not enjoy as much. Older teens will start wanting to watch horror movies and movies with more mature content. This movie has some fight scenes, but no blood and gore. Age appropriate for 5 plus. This will probably excite your child with the cool spy gadgets and toys. Overall, this show's great for kids. Not so great for your older teens. It doesn't have the punch to be a thriller. <laughs> I suggest watching with your child if you decide to watch dot dot dot. That's the end of the review. Oh, okay. <laughs> just so coincidentally you went to the next page. <laughs> the review just ends. <laughs> leave, it like, leave it like there's going to be more. Uh, but let's give us one or two more because the next one I have is a full page. Yeah, I noticed that. Thanks. I've got seven more comments, so how many? Give us two. Hit me. This next one is a question which, you know, I'm sure we'll be able to answer. Jak się nazywa dziewczyna kod jego, co grała w pierwszy Agent kod jeden, czy jakoś tak? Pisze po polsku. Do you want to answer that one, Ryan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the answer is Frankie Muniz. No, it's actually Hilary Duff. Oh my god, really? Close. He was asking who the, what the name of the girl from the first movie was. In fact, the last bit is... um. I'll, I'll just say it again. Jak się nazywa dziewczyna kod jego, co grał w pierwszy Agent Cody 1, czy jakoś tak? It's basically asking, what was the name of the girl who, who, you know, was Cody's girlfriend in the first film? And then the second line is, pisze po polsku, which means, I'm writing in Polish. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Fuck you. They pointed out. Thank you. And the second one you asked me to read you to, uh, this is someone who... It's commenting on the caliber of the Cody Banks character. The caliber. <laughs> Cody's so cute, dot dot, and amazing actor. Aww. Well, we have a seven star review here that is basically a thesis called Awesome Cinematography Saves Awful Script. This was written in 2006 by the great author Ray280 from Philadelphia. Yay! <clears throat> when watching... Excuse me? Sorry. When watching Agent Cody Sorry. Banks 2, Destination London, for the zillionth time on cable. Okay, keeping it in, keeping it on in the background when there's nothing else to watch, okay? I have to say that this film is one of the best examples of great cinematography I've ever seen. There, there aren't blinding special effects like we saw in the first movie. Uh, a pack of exploding Mentos provides the best effects and drama throughout the film. But the director deserves an A-plus with an extra credit for presentation. As for the script, you can almost hear Hilary Duff in the background yelling, Don't do it, Cody! <laughs> but Cody went ahead and did it. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing along a B-list B cast to replace the quasi-A-listers Duff and Angie Harmon. I want to read that again. Replacing the quasi-A-listers Duff and Angie Harmon. Yeah, that confused me. These 
Hilary Duff's last name, but then full name. No, we need the full Angie. Yeah. The supporting cast this time around consists primarily of Anthony Anderson as Derek, who is looking to prove himself and get back in the game, and relative newcomer Hannah Spirit, she of wounded heart thanks to the director, who nicks the idea of a hookup between Cody and her character, Emily, uh, a Scottish special agent of the hottie variety. Scotty hottie. Yeah. That's... But she's not Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go on. If I were Munez, I would have gone on strike over this glaring omission. And the male teen audience that this film was... <laughs> this film was targeted to missed out on some great fantasy fodder, similar to what my generation was offered in films like Flashdance. She's that hot, and that you could have done tons with her if they had wanted... Spirit was totally underused here. Yeah, okay. Mabatek. The plot? Banks has to go to London while posing as a clarinet player, thanks to a clarinet that plays itself in a youth group that is to give a concert just prior to the G7 meeting, where an evil dictator, a very crappy Keith Allen as Diaz, plans to use mind control device to take over the world. The unoriginal plot can be forgiven. However, since this is a Muniz slash Banks vehicle, and to that extent, the film stays true to the original. I like how earlier he thanked the clarinet. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Thanks. Without giving away the ending, the film's climax juxtaposes a beautiful orchestra extended remix rendition of a rock classic with Banks doing battle with the bad guys in a scene that few will likely ever forget seeing, even if it doesn't immediately stand out in their minds. Oh, this guy must have loved this travels. one scene excuses the rest of and literally saves the film. Older viewers should appreciate the complexity and beautiful cinematography of the finish. While the kids will focus more on the action, but all should be left without any serious dislike for a film whose script could have been better, but whose execution would have been extremely difficult to improve upon. I actually wrote this review while watching The Dentist 2, and if that story managed a sequel, this one surely has a right to exist. Watch it on cable if you're an adult, but grab the DVD if there are any children under 16 in your house, or if you are a big fan of 1960s psychedelic rock redone by Youth Orchestra. That's a specific bracket of people. <laughs> Bartek? Last five comments? Yeah. Or do you have any more reviews? I have one review, but it's shortish, so... Alright. Blast well, us. I'll finish off. Finger blast us, go. <laughs> Okay, I want to forget that I'm already 18 and in third year college. I want to go to that camp. <laughs> it's some people that just still feel the child inside. <laughs> them. The child inside of themselves. I'm not saying that the child's penetrating him, Brian, so just relax. Can we go, can we go five minutes without some references to child molestation? <laughs> well, remember earlier I was... Comparing crimes, and I didn't go to any sexual violence crimes. Was that you or your brother? I can't remember anymore. So, keep going. This next person, uh, doesn't really get... 
I think I laughed because I didn't know if it was you or the reviewer still talking. <laughs> no, I want to go to that camp was the end of that one. This next commenter, I think, doesn't get it. Good. He thinks he's in the CIA. Wow. <laughs> he he is in the CIA. Maybe that's Alex. Maybe. <laughs> that's, that's Alex. That's Alex writing. He's like my fucking brother. This next comment is... A pure one. A person who gives a really honest and heartfelt reason why he likes the first movie more than this one. Oh, poetry in motion. And it's a very short one. It's simple. It's simple. I like the old handler. Damn, she was a cougar. Yeah. Yeah, she was. I cried She was after younger men, apparently. She was damn good. Although I think that the first film really robbed us of some fantasy that they didn't get together. That and... The second one did give us the voluptuous Anthony Anderson, so... That's true. Damn! Alright, this next one. I feel so retarded now looking at the scene saying <laughs> Diaz using it in the... What, Ryan? I'm reading a comment and you're laughing. They opened it up with... I feel so retarded now. I know that feeling. I <laughs> <laughs> emphasize that. Keep going, Diaz. I'll start again. <clears throat> I feel so retarded now looking at the scene saying, this is in quotes, Diaz using it in a bad way. Back then, the film was like, so cool! But now, mind control, even in the good way, CIA, please! Still, I like the movie. Colon, capital D. He's right, Colin. Colin is completely right. And we got the last one here. The last one is... Buckle your pants, guys. It's a person who... You know how when movies make you ask questions and they make you really inquisitive? And yeah. You, you just kind of have to call out for a question and an answer. <clears throat> this person's calling out. Please, someone can tell me what is the song that the dog was playing at seven minutes? <laughs> question mark, question mark, three exclamation marks. Well, Vardik. Question We've everything. got one here for you that you're going to love. Oh, boy. The title's already missing an I. Oh, so okay. it was... T was hard to believe the this was the sequel to the original. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. 10 out of 10. From 2004. <clears throat> In Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London, Cody Muniz returns to Camp Woody for more training. He then goes to London as an exchange student. His new mission involves a mind control device. Anthong Anderson <laughs> and Hannah Spirit also star. I have to say, I loved the first one. It was energy-filled, action-packed, and funny. I found it hard to believe this was the sequel to Agent Cody Banks. They are totally different. Everything about each differs in some way, but I did like this. It is funnier. The plot in this is pretty good. The action is fun, and the new gadgets are cool. I think this would have been better if they kept the old director, Angie Harmon, and Hilary Duff, though. Overall, good. Enjoyable for 7 to 14. Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London, 3 out of 4 stars. PG action sequences and brief crude humour. And language. Lol. <laughs> and that's the end. Of I like how the reviews keep stepping up like the oldest age of people who like. <laughs> yeah, one of them says like, 
Like what was it five to eight year olds? Yeah, no one, over, no one over ten, no one over twelve, no one over fourteen. And then the one that's like no one plus twelve. They're like if you have under, if you have sixteens and under in your house, buy this on DVD. That's what they actually <laughs> said in the same review. Right. So guys, that there was Agent Cody Banks to Destination London. We have been joined by the amazing Will Brooks. Will, it's always a pleasure to have you. Thanks, listening people. Yeah, take a moment there to thank yourself, and the rest of you. Bartek, it was great to have your brother on, even though he was a cunt and died. Now you're here. May he rest in peace. And you're here, and it's great to have you on the show. I mean, I can't believe your brother Oscar pretended to be you for the whole entire show until he died, brutally. And, guys, thank you. I mean, if you do want Agent Cody Banks 2, we have every single copy in existence right now, so um, we're really holding the market on the Cody Banks world. It's a monopoly. It's a whole monopoly. It's a... It's a it's a bank just for <laughs> Cody Banks. If you want a loan, you Laughing have to go all the way to the Cody Banks. <laughs> two. So, two. destination London. <laughs> we just said two. Yeah, I love. Don't you. you know it's Agent Cody Two Banks? Yeah, destination London. <laughs> destination. So guys, London. you've been amazing, wonderful, superfluously great listening people. If you do want to help us out, give us a rating on iTunes or give a review even you could be one of these amazing reviews but about us yeah you could be mm. if you're cool yeah and we I have our Facebook and uh, now we have a YouTube page and a Podbean and it's all Spin Polish Presents yep you can drop us a line on the Facebook page if you want a suggestion for an unappreciated masterpiece well we'd love to hear it because hey we may not know I mean, I don't know what the next movie we're doing is. I haven't even decided that. So uh, you could give us a suggestion right now. Hannah Spear and... What was it? Spear or Spirit? Spirit. Hannah Spirit, you know, a member of S Club 7, they had a theatrical movie. Maybe we can do that. Maybe. It's called Scene Double. You have to suggest it to us, audience. Go to or the not. Facebook page, type Seeing Double, and then we'll be like, oh, never heard of it. Yep, and don't suggest Double Down by Neil Breen. Different movie. Either way, you guys have been great and... Uh, Remember to be kind to each other. Mm-hmm. Hit that subscribe button. For YouTube specifically, yes. Hey, Mentos! You, you can subscribe on iTunes. Oh, yeah, that, that too. We didn't mention iTunes. We mentioned Podbean and YouTube. Oh, can you subscribe on Podbean? Hey, Mentos! Yeah, let's have some Mentos. It looks safe. Because, you know, the joke being that I wasn't here when we started this. No, you weren't here. Bartek, would you love a Mentos? I would love a men. <laughs> and then you toss them out your bed the next morning. <laughs> sounds is that, sounds is like that a it? gold digger. Will, here you go. A Mentos for Will, a Mentos for me, and a Mentos for Bartek. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're going to chuck them in our mouths in three, two, one. Wow, we'll hit a million. <laughs> we'll exploded a lot today. <laughs>